Friday, May the 27th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. So we split things up this week so we could uh, re react, respond to what's going on in the NBA. So we'll talk some NBA with Eric. As we know, the Golden State Warriors are on to the NBA Finals. Will it be the Celtics? Will it be the Heat? We'll talk a little bit about that series and uh, the Dallas Mavericks and uh, what to for them moving forward. Then we'll get into some racing for Sunday and for Monday. We'll have some Sunday Louisiana Downs, some Sunday Santa Anita, Monday Louisiana Downs, Monday Lone Star. They've got a really big card over there with a ton of stakes races, so I've got some plays there. And then I'm also going to put the Saturday portion of a live stream that I recorded earlier. Um, on Friday mornings, we do the live streams at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. This weekend in Stable Duel, we go for about 90 minutes. We give out a bunch of plays for Friday and for Saturday with Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis and myself. So I cut the audio from the Saturday portion of that. So I'll put that on here too. It'll help you if you're looking at any Saturday stuff at Gulfstream, Santa Anita. We have some plays throughout the day there that could help you out a little bit. So if it sounds weird or if we like reference things that you may not see, it's because it's a it's a live stream that's video, but some so some of the times we're watching race replays or maybe t- talking about something that might be on the screen, but I still think you'll uh, be able to get plenty of great info from that. So we'll talk NBA. I'll put the uh, stable, uh, stable Duel Saturday plays on there. We'll go Sunday, Louisiana, full card. Sunday, Santa Anita, best bets. Monday, Louisiana, full card. Monday, Lone Star, best bets on this episode. That's presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow. Every day of the week, there are free live streams to help you preview major games, major sporting events, uh, big days of racing. Mondays, there's our Riders Up weekly jockey interviews that are presented by Fantac where we have an interview with a different jockey that you've probably seen their name, but you've never really heard that much about them or how their story, and we get to hear directly from them. And then on Mondays later, we have Mohawk Mania where we preview the early pick five from Woodbine Mohawk. And all of these live streams, if you just follow them on Twitter at BTV Bets, they immediately pop up right away in a tweet as soon as we start and as soon as we go live. So Mondays and Thursdays, you get that Mohawk show. Every day that there's a basketball game, we preview the basketball games with uh, some bets. At noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday, there's a baseball preview show. We have the football we're going to start previewing football in the NFL season and team previews and college football coming up. There's NASCAR. There's UFC stuff. We just did a golf uh, last weekend. We're going to have some more tennis coming up this weekend. All of that over at BetterThan.Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. Let's start talking some NBA. It's Eric, who's been with us every week of the season, and now we are just about into the NBA Finals, so we talk about how the Warriors got past the Mavericks, and uh, we jump into Game 6 for Boston-Miami. NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? So we know one team is into the NBA Finals. Golden State Warriors defeated the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, they are now in, and we'll talk uh, a little bit about that series and also about uh, the game six that's coming up between Boston and Miami. We'll see if Boston can stamp their ticket to the NBA finals as he has 
for every week of the NBA season. Eric joins me again this year, uh, again this week, to talk about uh, the uh, the end of the NBA season as it winds down. Eric, Dallas, unfortunately, just didn't show up early, and, and Luka was really struggling early to just get – he was kind of in a funk. He was a little lackadaisical late in the game. They they made a couple runs here and there. They tried to cut it to within striking range, but they just they, – they gave themselves a little bit too much to do, and they felt in this particular matchup like they were always just a sort of outman. Just a, they didn't really have the same type of firepower that Golden State was dealing with. I mean, at the end of the day, Dallas needs a 6'9 to 6'11 guy that can control the middle, is not a lost puppy on the switch, and can protect the rim and get a rebound and get an offensive rebound. That's yeah. what that team needs. Um, at the end of the day, the Brunson contract is really interesting. Uh, if they keep him, they have to go $50 million over the luxury cap. I know. Because they didn't re-sign him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to him and you uh, want to keep him, but you, you wonder now it's like, uh, he's going to get a lot more money because of this run that he had in the playoffs. So it's just, it's because you, you know, New York's New York is either going to trade for D'Angelo Russell or they're going to overpay Brunson. They're going to do one of the two things. Can we and, uh, try to get them into the Russell Westbrook sweepstakes? <laughs> can can Westbrook, I, what, what Westbrook did demand a trade. So, you know, yeah. that, a formally requested a trade. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like what happens, but you know, they saw it. They're a team that is built by the three, but you need somebody that can get an offensive rebound. Um, nine was it 9.1%. I haven't looked at the stats from last night, but 9.1% of the time they're getting an offensive rebound off a of miss. That is putrid. And you can't win in the NBA with that. So they, they need somebody, um, I really can't think of anyone off the top of my head that's a free agent that would fit that mold. But they definitely, like Looney, they need a Looney. Like if they could clone Looney, like someone that can get some rebounds, can not lost on the switch, and, um, you know, protect the rim. That's the type of player they need. Yep. So now for, for, you know, for Dallas, it was a pretty good. Real quick, I do want to ask you a question. Yeah. Can you imagine what the Warriors would be if David Lee didn't get hurt because oh, Draymond wasn't in the rotation. Right. Yeah. Lee got hurt. Yeah. Dre goes in the record rotation and that's kind of when they went Unlocked up. everything. Yeah. Up. So, you know, it kind it's of one of those blessing weird. in disguise, right? If he doesn't get hurt, you never know. Like maybe you never even realized that Draymond could be this type of player. No, because they drafted him for his defense. They didn't know that he was this um, playmaker type Right. Yeah, so like in terms of being able, he doesn't, I, I guess that's the right term. It's not more general is probably like, yeah, able to read the screen and how the player is going to break off the screen. Um, where, where to spot them with the ball, yeah. right? Where to either pass the ball ahead of where they're moving or where to like perfectly give them the space that they need. You know, it's like, it's and sometimes, he's very smart, you know? Yeah, and sometimes you just catch light, lightning in the bottle. I mean, think about this. They got Draymond, who basically started playing because David Lee, who was big back at back during that time, um, you know, they he wasn't going to be that much in the rotation. They got him in the rotation. You got Clay and, and Steph to buy off, hey, this guy can get the ball off the glass, bring it up, 
and and the reason why you off screens, you know what I mean? They got were able everyone to, to buy in to get Steph at the at a discounted price was because of an injury. Yeah. So you got Steph for way cheaper than he would have been had he not got everything. Sort of came together for them, and they're back there again right now, and they're going to be tough. And the right? like the scary thing is like. It used to be like the role players were Barbosa and Livingston, these guys that would come in for a couple years just to get their next contract. Now they, they have like they got guys they can hand it off to. Um, yeah, but they have young guys that are gonna be there for a while. I know, like Poole um, and Kuminga and Looney, like and that's just, like their whole like leadership and infrastructure. You see someone like Wiggins, and you and I can agree, talented as hell. At Minnesota, um, wasn't really getting the leadership that he needed to take no. his game to the next level. He comes here, and you have like you, Draymond's got to be in his face saying, "Hey, you got to do this, you got to do that," and he's scoring sixteen impactful points, guarding the other team's best player, yep. and being an integral part of them going to the finals and making the All Star game. He's his career is going to go on a total different path now because, because he went to Golden State instead of staying at Minnesota. So it speaks a lot about their player development they have. Plus, we forget they have James Wiseman just kind of chilling off, doing whatever, know, who yeah. they can trade, who they can develop for a center. So they're set up to maintain this success, which is, you know, with how the NBA is, it's truly remarkable. Yeah, they, they've done a great job and Looney's helped. And like anything, you got to get a little bit lucky too because for them, along the way, they hooked... I, I think where you could still take advantage of Golden State would be if you had a lot of size, right? Oh, yeah, like sure. Mil, Milwaukee or like we said, if if like a, a team that was built around AD and LeBron and some something else, right? Like those would be the templates of teams that would be tough for golden state because they don't have a lot of size, but the, along the way they faced a team that only had one guy that size and literally nothing else in Jokic. And then they faced a Memphis team that doesn't really have a big, like Jaron Jackson jr. Isn't like a down low, big type presence. Right. And they're not really like a big team. So it's in, and they sort of struggle with a lot of the things that Memphis do that are kind of big. You know, like the way that Memphis plays kind of big where, where they're good in the paint. So those would be the ways to beat Golden State. And then Dallas definitely doesn't have that. They don't have yeah, any Dallas paint. has no big. And that's none, like none whatsoever. And, you know, to be honest, Boston doesn't really have that either. So it's it's been a pretty good draw along the way for this Golden State team that all year long felt like they were most of the year they felt like they were one of the best teams or it was them in Phoenix early in the, in the West that were really dominant. And then they suffered some injuries and then clay comes back. And now clay, he's not able to consistently be clay night in night out, but you still get like 60, 65% of the time you get like a pretty yeah, good clay you're, game. You're going you're gonna to get a clay game. And like, look, you know, I, for the stuff I look at and the program I have, it had value on Clay's under last night, and that Dude, was on because he, he wasn't. No, and he was, and you're right, and it, he wasn't flowing. But it's still that's what's crazy is that he'll have those games per per season. Per yep, year, per, per series, work, right? Per series. Um, yep. my worry with Dallas is they 
turn into Atlanta. You look yep. at the um, things broke well for them, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at the parallel, like in the conference finals, they beat the one seed, they embarrassed the one seed in game sevens, they go to the conference final, you know, none of. Atlanta, you know, they Atlanta did have a chance when Giannis went down, but they weren't able to get it done. They mm -hmm. came back this season, and the comments you just constantly kept hearing from all those guys was, you know, having to get up for these regular season games now and get in that position. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Kid is able to get those guys to get up for those regular season games and get back in that position kind of where they belong. Luca made an interesting comment about how he basically has no rest this summer. Um, that would worry me a little bit as a Mavericks fan, just because he looked tired toward the end of that series. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of like a, who they add if Brunson stays or goes, and if they can avoid what happened with, um, with the Hawks yeah. this year going into next year. Cause the difference between, you know, you all, you always feel like, oh, we're in the conference finals, right? We're, we're close. Now we're going to take that next step. But just because you got to that point doesn't necessarily mean you were the second best or the third best team, right? It might have just meant that things sort of broke your way that year. And then things may not break your way again next year. This was yeah. a good setup for Dallas, even though they had no Luka in the first couple games. But they played probably the best team to go in and not play Luka, a Jazz team that was reeling. That Jazz team's a mess. and They were a mess. The end of the day, I really feel like, you know, you and I talk about leadership a lot. You look at someone like, you know, a vocal leader, like um, a Jimmy Butler, a um, kind of like I'll, I'll use the term silent leader, but we both know he's not like a Giannis. Yeah. Those those guys after their teams like underperformed in the playoffs, um, you know, Butler last year getting getting swept in the first round and embarrassed by the Bucks. Um, the Bucks a couple years ago when they're up 2-0 lost to the Raptors. When they came in that series, it start, excuse me, to start the next year. You look at Giannis and Butler, those guys were constantly hustling back on defense at the beginning of the year. And I know that doesn't seem like a big thing, it, but when your best player is doing that, it feeds off all the role players. They see it well, and you, they start doing it and it sets the table for the rest of the season. You, you point this out with LeBron a lot too, you know, and like the year when the Lakers won the title. LeBron, from the very beginning, Frank Vogel came in, him and Anthony Davis, every play LeBron was playing defense hard early in the year. And what it does is he doesn't have to do it every play of every game like that, but you have to do it every game, at least a couple times where you lock in and you show the rest of your guys that you are there because, you know, Barkley made a great point last night and he... I, I was laughing the other day so bad. I know we talk about how sometimes you don't watch a lot of the broadcast stuff, but there's a thread out there that somebody says, Charles Barkley is legitimately like one of the funniest guys in the world. And, and there's this thread, if you look on Twitter, and it's got clips for just so many, and they're all just like a minute or two minute clips of like Barkley saying stuff that he didn't mean to say, where he's like, you know, when a guy is banging you like that, and then, and then like everyone will just start laughing, you know, the yeah. whole play. And it was like, come on guys. I didn't mean it like that. It's, it's really, it's That's pretty funny. Fun. If you have a few minutes and you're looking for a laugh or two, go find that thread on, on Twitter where uh, the guy talks about Barkley and then everybody starts, uh, starts responding to it. But he was, he was pointing this out with Luca last night. And he said, you know, in the first half, they are never going to win a game where Luca's playing like that. Like Luca can be missing shots. 
but he can't be playing with that level of energy where he's like letting guys go by him defensively. If if that's if Luca's doing that, the rest of the team looks at that they go, uh oh, Luca's given up. Yeah. That, that's what you do. Back, it comes back to what you're saying about LeBron. I was saying about Butler and Giannis. At the beginning of the year, Luca needs to come in and he needs to be like, hey, you know, he needs to just show it. He doesn't need to say anything. Yep. He just needs to show it, show it. Um, Luca's kind of at that point in his career um where he can take the path of a LeBron and a Giannis, where he like really gets in physical shape, starts taking care of his body, or he can go down the hardened path. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, this is he's at the crossroads right now. You're absolutely right. Of what he want, what he wants to do, because he has the potential to go down as an all time great. Yeah. Or as a potential just to be like, oh hey, you know, a great scorer. Yeah. You know. So he, it's gonna be interesting to see like what happens with him. Um, I don't really know that much about his work ethic, to be honest with you. There's certain teams I really have no connections to the Mavericks. Yeah. The Mavericks are one of them, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like how Luca transcends and everything. He's very smart. Just Mm -hmm. with like the, you can tell within seconds how smart people are with just the way they play the game, right? Like someone like Luca, he attacks defenses. And if you play him with the same defense over and over, he's just going to eat you alive. Like yeah. he, he will make adjustments and he will figure you out really quickly. So mm-hmm. it, he's smart. I think mentally, I love the way he's, he's driven, but physically that's a great point because he's someone that we have heard multiple times where he comes in, in the off season, a little bit out of shape. Right. And like, we joked about how was Luca having a beer before one of the games. And like, he's someone that it's, it's something that it obviously gets stereotyped in a real, like, negative way obviously about people in europe or like athletes in europe right vladi divak was someone that people used to joke about like smoking cigarettes at halftime and stuff like that so for luca i think we were just talking about it on our uh pre-show that we did for better than vegas for him it may be the next step is the the body stuff right yeah definitely that yeah he's got to hit the gym but and and the way he eats his You know, that, that kind of thing, because he's got that little pudge there and you can be that way, right? You don't have to be like a cut up dude. Look at Jokic, right? But I mean, in fairness, you look at Jokic before the shutdown versus after the shutdown. You're right. He spent some time on his body. He lost a lot. Right. No, he did. He's not a cut dude as is, but at least like you can tell he's gotten stronger and he's gotten Mm -hmm. fitter. Yep. Absolutely. And we need to see Luca continuing to make that next leap because if we're just talking about pure raw talent, like guys who come in with what they have, he is on the short list of all time best. Oh yeah. And he has the potential to go down as one of the all time best players. Yep. And he He really does. It's just, it's just going to be really interesting to see like, you know, what happens and the things like you look at like someone like, I mean, I feel what kind of separates like LeBron away from people, Kobe away from people, Giannis away from people, Hakeem Olajuwon is just their work ethic. Yes. Like what is Luca's work, work ethic. ethic? Like mm-hmm. today, what did he do? Was he in the gym at 6 a.m. putting yeah, up that's a great point. Or yeah. was he just, you know what I mean? I, I just like, you don't know what is going to happen. And like, it's going to be interesting to see like, how he goes and the like the the path 
the path he takes. Yeah. And, you know, I, we always, we we're talking basketball. I always got to put, bring up the Lakers a few different times. Yeah. Like what you're saying right now are things that I, do I know or think that the Lakers are going to win a title next year? No. But if you look on some of the social media stuff, what's nice right now, LeBron and AD are doing a lot of workout stuff together. They're at the gym. And I think only them two, because they don't know who the hell is going to be on the team. It might be yeah. them two, and it might be a whole freaking different team. But yeah, who the hell just, knows? You know, but, but you gotta like, like you said, you gotta put in the work. You like that's what Dave needs to do. This for, like you want to shut it down for a week. But I mean, the thing is, like, even someone I'll use LeBron and Giannis. Even someone like LeBron and Giannis, like LeBron was in Cancun. He was on his Instagram account. I will bet any amount of money. Every morning he was going into the gym and 100%. doing something. Absolutely. So like, that Even- is what makes those guys great. And like, like I said, like, you know, it's, it's Luca that way. Is Luca going to take that next step? Is he driven that way? We will, uh, we will find out now because if he is, he's going to be winning a title soon. You won't be able to stop Never. this guy. If he has that kind of drive, cause he's not far off and they just need a little bit more around him. There's going to be the situation that that's the right situation for him if he continues to get better and better. And, now, uh, let me ask you this: since we're talking about the Mavericks, the big thing that I'm hearing, and that's everyone else is hearing too, um, Irving, the Nets won't give Irving the long-term contract. Um, now, Durant and Irving are kind of tied at the hip. Durant has not talked to the Nets all off-season there's always kind of been that Durant to Dallas thing going on. Do you think we could kind of see that just because like Durant's a competitive dude. He, he comes off as this laid back kind of dude, but he's a competitive dude. Yep. Do you think he says to himself, Hey, you know what? I, I asked up. up. Yep. You know, I have a chance here to partner up with Luca. I'm going to go do it, man. I could like those two guys would work very well together. Like they would be fine with each other because Durant is so is so fine off the ball, right? That's the great thing about Durant. And the thing about Durant too, you know, he's gotten a lot better. He's he's getting older now and he's got a lot of miles on him and some injuries, but he's gotten a lot better as a defender throughout yeah. his career. He was someone that used to be like you could attack and he's got he's still not, you know, if you have a big that's big, like he's you're going to be able to back him down and stuff, but he's gotten much better and much more capable. He's just so long that if he can just stand in your face and move his feet a little bit, you, you can't ever shoot over him. You know, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a fun pairing. I, I don't be fun. I mean, you know, Cuban wants to win. I'm pulling up NBA trade machine right now. Um, so what would that be? Like it would be, I mean, Durant's got 42 mil. They would have to come up with 42 mil. Um, I mean, you got Hardaway sitting there at 21 mil. It would have to be Hardaway and like Brunson in a sign and trade or something like that, you know, or like the Brunson contract and something else. But that would be like Brooklyn. Brooklyn's going to need more than that back for a Durant. I mean, there would like, have to be a bunch it, of picks maybe. And it, you, it would have to be a ton of picks. I mean, salary wise. That I would mean, actually match. Salary you did wise, those two guys. Hardaway Jr. and Dimwitty match. Yeah. Dinwiddie back to Brooklyn. Dinwiddie back to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be it. That would definitely be like an interesting pairing, kind of Durant, like admitting he kind of messed up. But I totally get the Nets' point. Like, look, it, we like Irving is freaking 
insanely talented basketball player, but I thought you were just going to say Irving is insane. And no, just stop he's an at insanely that. talented basketball <laughs> okay. player, but you want somebody that is reliable. And as yeah. crazy as this sounds, in a playoff situation, I would probably want this is going to sound, I would like if I would want as my point guard a Lowry, a Marcus Smart, a Drew Holiday. I'd rather have a lesser. Like aren't as talented. 100%, but are more dependable. Reliable. The best ability is availability. Yeah. You know? And that's what I want. I want reliability in that situation. And I can rely on those guys. I know, like, I know from Smart, he's going to shoot four god-awful shots. He's going to flop all over the place but he's going to compete his effing ass off and come game time. He will be there with Irving. You know, it's like, you just don't know. Cause he's not unreliable. He's just unreliable. And he's showing this throughout his, his um, whole time in the NBA. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't trust him. And that was one thing when all the big free agents uh, were moving pieces. The uh, a couple of years ago, it was one. I'm glad the Lakers didn't get caught up with was Kyrie because uh, they just, yeah, they, they didn't need to do that, and uh, it worked out. The 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 three stars are, are hard situations, even sometimes with two. Like, you got to build your teams. We're seeing this right now because all of the teams right now that are built and that are really top-heavy are struggling because they don't have enough depth. Because if one of their guys or their key pieces is out, they're screwed. Yeah, all, Like, all the teams right now that we've been seeing that are getting eliminated – as soon as one of their key Milwaukee, if I, I genuinely think that if Milwaukee had Chris Middleton, they'd be in the NBA finals playing against golden yeah. state. I, I 100% think that, but they didn't. And because they didn't have Mid- Middleton because they're built around three top stars that they pay a lot of money for. They don't have as much depth and, and as much wiggle room. Once you get past like the eighth guy on the bench, you know? So that's, that's what ends up, really difficult about building your team Boston for them. What's nice is they're not quite as top heavy with some of their stars. They don't go deeper than about eight, but because they're not so star focused that missing one of those lesser pieces doesn't impact them as much as missing a bigger piece would, you know? Yeah. I mean, like they have smart, they resound smart, which was huge. Um, but I mean, the key to them is it's kind of like Al Horford's just yeah. kind of gel that's able he to is. handle everything together. My my worry for them though, long term, is Robert Williams's knee. I really feel they ru- he rushed himself back, mm-hmm. and you can see this like he's not himself. He's missed games in this matchup against the Heat, and long term, we've seen like with an Andrew Bynum who came back. I believe when he was with your Lakers yeah, too I soon. Know. and that totally like ruined his it career. Ruined it, yeah. I, hope, I hope that doesn't happen to, um, to Robert Williams Tatum. And I'll, as crazy as this sounds, I really felt if the Celtics were to win a title this year, or at least make it to the championship, this would kind of raise up like Tatum to that next level. But, and I'm taking nothing away from him because you have to beat who's in front of you. And that's what they're doing. But I really feel we haven't had that like tainted moment. I mean, last year in the finals, um, 
you know, we had, or the, we had the Giannis moment, you know, him coming back from that knee injury scoring, what was it like 50, 60 points in like the game six, the closeout game. I just kind of feel we haven't had that Tatum. I moment feel exactly like what you're saying in that I'm not going to take anything away from what, what he's done, but it's almost like he's sort of getting put up there by process of elimination because yeah. everybody else's teams aren't quite as good. Like he, I keep saying margin of error. What what I what I see with Tatum is he's able to have bad halves or bad games that other star players aren't really able to have when they have to carry the load for their teams because the way his team is built, like he can have a bad game and they can either win or they're like able to still get away with it because they're playing a Milwaukee team that's not ha- that doesn't have Middleton. They're playing a Miami team that's so banged up that they don't they haven't played one opponent that's been playing at full strength max effort to where Tatum's had to really deal with like punch, counter punch, punch. He, he did in the in the Miami in the Milwaukee series. It, it was he he played very well there, but it was like they were down 3-2 because he struggled in a couple of those games and normally you you struggle there and your season's done. He kind of got the ability to to get extra chances because Milwaukee just didn't have enough to put them away. He keeps yeah. getting opportunities to have these extra games where I don't know if he's quite there yet, right? Like I don't he's still to me like 8 to 15 before I'm giving him into the top five. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's not, you know what I mean? Like you just think off the top of your head. I mean, you got to put LeBron over him. You got to put Durant over him. You got to put Luca over him. You got to put Joker over him. You got to put Embiid. Curry. Giannis, Curry. Um, yeah. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of still, he hasn't really transcended. The one person that I feel awful about with the Celtics and I feel he kind of got um I feel like got screwed I'll say it and I wanted to get your opinion on it because LeBron did make the third team NBA all NBA by him making that and Jalen Brown not making it Jalen Brown is not super max super max eligible yeah. so that that's feel because how many games let me look real quick how do you know off the top of your head how many games LeBron James played this year? He missed 25 or 30. I mean, like, and like, how many games do you feel you should at least have a minimum out of the 82 to play to be super max eligible? Yeah. Like that's. Cause he played 56. And see, I would, I would never vote. Like, I don't mind. And th- this is where it's tricky, right? I don't mind if like LeBron and Durant type of guys get slotted in on the third team when they miss 25 or 30 like that. But what ends up happening is like what you're saying, right? That that's the problem, right? Do honestly, is LeBron a better player than Jalen Brown? Yeah. Right. Like I'm not, but no, no. And and you're a thousand percent right. That's a problem because that's not fair to Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown is impactful and definitely worthy of that. And I'm just like, by one like small thing or some votes, right? Some writers voting. The, yeah, that, that's. I feel, I feel that, like that's crappy. That that's not cool, and that's like that. That's where it needs to change because 
the writers have a little bit too much power in that sense. There needs to be a criteria, some I, sort of thing, right? Like a I minute. Think there needs to be like, hey, look, you have to play 60 games. You have to play right? 68, 65. There needs to be some arbitrary number because like me and I, I know like the, the earning potential of these players is just X. It's like X years. So you affected Jalen Brown's earning potential by him not doing it. So, I mean, like, I personally feel like Morant played 57. I feel he shouldn't be eligible. I agree. Um, Whatever, there there needs to be, whatever it is, there needs to be, like, a cutoff. Yeah, there needs needs to be, like, a min. Those those award, like, it wouldn't matter if they didn't reflect people's money. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't care if if they're going to say, "Well, who cares? It's all NBA, like they're just a bunch of awards." Well, you guys made us care because now if people don't make these teams, they don't get as much money. Exactly. And then the other big thing is is it positional or is it has it, to just be five best from now on, especially with the way I mean, that the NBA like, I mean, look, like Embiid got I'm screwed. Not, like, you know, you don't even love Embiid, but no, he got screwed. I'm not an Embiid guy. But Embiid should be first-team NBA. He was one of the five best players yeah. in the NBA was, this year. Hands down, he was one of the best five. And, I mean, I think if we if we say our criteria is over 65 games, he played 68. Yeah. So he met the criteria. You know, or if 68 games is a criteria, he met Tw- the criteria. 20, like 20 feels about right, right? Like 15 to 20 games missed, you know, like, yeah, like something 15, like that. 15 games missed, I feel, is legit. Yeah, you know, and because – Guys still sit out games here and there and sit out back to back. Like if you're in the six, if even if they made it 62 and above. So everybody that's played at least, like you said, 60 plus games and they didn't miss more than 20. That's Mm -hmm. fine. And and Embiid deserved to be that. It just, the center stuff is so crappy because then you've got these guys that are point forwards and stuff too. So like, what do you do it a few years ago with someone like LeBron, who's a point guard, but he's not a point, but that's, it just it's needs to be like the five best. The five best. I mean, like if I, I'm pulling up the all NBA team right now. Because Tatum didn't get the top five. Tatum wouldn't have been on the first team based on just votes. Embiid got more, but you can't have the centers on there, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Embiid would have been on there if you're just taking it based on the first place votes or total votes overall. Yeah, I think that's, I believe that's how it goes. I think it's like, yeah. You get voted for a position and then doing it. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at at this. I mean, it looks like Antetokounmpo, Joker, Luca, Booker, Senator Jawalabi rounded out the list of top five vote getters. Yep. But because the All NBA, unlike All Star Cause, requires at least one center per per team, Embiid was relegated to second team. And because it was so many of him and Joker, they kind of split the votes also, yeah, right? Like, so, so yeah, he, so he first, kind of got double screwed. Yeah. So first team was Luca, Booker, Giannis, Tatum, Joker. Second team, Morant, Curry, um, Morant, sorry, Morant, Curry, Durant, Ro- DeRozan, and Bede. Third team, Paul, Young, James, Siakam, and um, Carl Anthony Towns. If those so, teams were playing like on court, give me second team. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably take the second team with what Durant, Curry, and Jaw would be pretty prolific. And Embiid. Yeah. 
That's I think they might be the team that would win if those three teams all played against each other in a in a head to head. I'll take team I'll take team uh second team I mean, all NBA. Just, I don't know. Like yeah. I I mean like That's I'm, a bummer for Jalen Brown. I, I it is this like young, great part of the second year. Can't really argue with that. Can't really argue with Paul. Stockton played solid. He really you know, did. The only solid. ones you can are, are LeBron and Durant. Yeah, those are really like the only – and Morant. Morant missed a ton Those too. three, right? LeBron, three Durant, and Jaw. And not because they're not deserving, because they just didn't play enough games. Like, the, the, the guys should be rewarded. And Boston, this year, like, all NBA is a very good snapshot of the NBA throughout history, right? And this year, if you would have excluded LeBron and Durant from all NBA teams, it would have actually made sense. Those teams weren't good this year. Those guys didn't really have very impactful NBA years. They were kind of hurt, and they were on bad teams. Durant's team got swept in the playoffs. LeBron's team didn't even make it. it Jalen Brown was more important to the story of the NBA in 2022. He was on a team that was really bad. They were in the ninth spot, and they completely flipped their season, and now they're probably going to make the NBA Finals. Yeah. So he was a lot more looking back at 2022, who was more important this year? Jalen Brown was by far than those two guys, you know, and they got that sort of like they get the lifetime achievement awards because it's hard when you watch them on the court, you go, damn, LeBron was like leading the league in points for a lot of the year, you know, even at like 37, like he had some 50 point games and stuff and Durant was nuts, but they weren't there night in night out. Like, uh, like Jalen Brown was. And we are recording this on Friday. I, I have a little bit of a trivia question for Go you. Go ahead. There are four players that have been unanimous all NBA four years in a row. Do you know who they are? Shaq, LeBron, and Giannis. Are they three of them? You got two out of the three, right? Okay. So I know that I know that this was the fourth one for Giannis, right? Yeah. Yeah. So who so was LeBron okay. the right one or Shaq? LeBron. LeBron was. So Jordan. Okay. That makes it obviously. That LeBron, makes sense. Giannis, and your boy. Kobe. Harden. Harden. Wow. Well, I mean, Harden may. Yeah, that people, right. Yeah. And, and we forget, like, we're, we're, we give him crap because, you know, can he take it to the next step? Can he, we don't give Harden crap as being like an all time great scorer or a guy who can get your team to the playoffs, but that's, that's not important anymore when it comes to James Harden. We don't but, need to know if James Harden is a guy who can get you there. We need to know is James Harden a guy who can help you win it all and who can take that next step. So, man, he had those run that run where yeah, he was back to like a and I'll say it, Luca's on that path. Like what's Luca going to do? Is he going to be James Harden or is he going to move over to like the Jordan and I'm like I hate to do this cuz Jordan by far is the greatest, but Jordan, yeah. LeBron, Giannis that kind of group that where you get like magic. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, like in that range. Line. Absolutely. Like, look, we talked about it earlier during the NBA show. And like, we talked about this like a month ago, maybe, or like a couple weeks ago when 76ers ended and beats kind of there too, because it's like, you know, like, yeah, he's Absolutely a good player is. on the court and everything, but it's the little things that he doesn't do off the court. The 100%. stretching, the eating the meal prep the habits the yep. habits and like look he tweeted that out we talked about it during like the nba show for btv about like miami needing a second star like look if he goes to miami 
those guys require you. <laughs> like th there's like a prerequisite. It's a to fitness level that you have to yeah. be in before you even get on the court. And him going like legitimately, if he wants to a be like an all time, great win titles, he goes to Miami. If he wants to be liked, he stays in Philly. And the thing that I'm noticing, and there's different types of personalities that people are there's like hey i need someone to motivate me to get there or hey there's like the kobe's the Giannis's, or i can just do it myself and it can motivate themselves to work hard i think it's pretty clear and b needs somebody to motivate him and push yep. him to get to that next level very and and to get there i think he needs to go to miami and that and that frustrates me and you people like because yep. like we we I, i'm you may not like me or this or that or you but like I work hard, you work hard, right? So like someone like me, and that's why guys like Magic couldn't be coaches sometimes because they have a hard time when people don't like work as hard as them or sort of like aren't driven the way that they're driven, right? Like Michael Jordan would never be a good coach. He'd be an awful coach because he can't comprehend someone who's not there and who it's not the most important thing in the world to every bounce of the ball. And, mm -hmm. and so... um does as we record this on Friday, a couple hours before game six, Boston, Miami. I mean, Miami was up at halftime by five with a chance to go up three games to two and they completely fell apart. And I, it's sports. I've been on the, with teams that I've rooted for bet. I've been on the right end and the wrong end of everything. I do feel a little bit bad for teams when you watch them and you can see that physically they just don't have any more options. Like, Butler is out there dragging his knee around. Lowry keeps falling over. He can't even stand up. He has no lift in his legs at all. Hero can't play. Uh, Struess is like, can he? He's been in and out of, of, you know, the locker room trying to figure out if they can get him as healthy as possible. And so Boston's been dealing with some injuries too, but they, they just, they feel like they're a little bit better off when you watch them like on the eye test by the body language test, their guys seem to be just a little younger, right? A little like more sprightly, a little able to bounce back from some of the bumps and bruises more than this Miami veteran team that just feels like they're, they're on their last legs right now. Oh, for sure. And there's this great, there's this great website that I found. Um, it's called, what is this called? It is called popcorn, popcornmachine.net. And it kind of breaks down like um, the lineups for the um, like per quarter um, and like the stints that they were in for the game. Um, so like Butler in the third quarter, you know, he was in there from the 12 minute mark to the 116 mark, 10 minutes, 43 seconds, one of four, O of two, and he was a negative 12. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could just kind of see. Like this third quarter, it was just absolutely at just everything flipped brutal. Every I mean, just single absolutely thing. brutal. And it just, you know, it's just, I don't know, like the third quarter and it's tough in the NBA just because like the worst thing you can do as a team, especially the home team with how it's broken down is take that time out within the first three minutes of the third quarter. Yeah. And that's kind of what Spolstra needed to do. Um, and like, look, we've said it. It's not like Boston is just playing freaking phenomenal 
no their offense. It's just Miami is just doesn't. They're just they're doing it. just enough. And right? I, I don't know. Maybe, and this is going to sound crazy because you and I both love, absolutely love Lowry. Are we at the point where he needs to come off the bench? Maybe give Gabe Vincent more run. Yeah, and and what's they, they're in a pretty good nice spot in that like they they got they're banged up, but they have a, like a pretty deep team. Miami, like they have a lot of different guys they can throw at you. Because most situations, like everybody jumped on the Lakers right away and was like, oh, if the Lakers would have traded for Lowry. But this is the this is sort of the problem with with guys that you pay a lot of money that are a little bit older, too. You know, he's he's at that point of his career where like is I mean, it gonna be like Chris Paul now? Can you can can you really count on him to be there at this point of the year and be healthy I and saw, be able to contribute a lot? I saw the stat when it was like it broke it down. It was like for the first two games when it was Gabe Vincent on the court with no Marcus Smart, it was like a plus five for Miami. Yeah. When Gabe Vincent, Marcus Smart on the court, Miami plus 18. Yeah. When Gabe Vincent not on the court and Marcus Smart on the court, Miami was like a minus 22. I mean, maybe like a guy like Gabe Vincent, maybe that's the the thing they need to do like pivot off and like just try something else because we can all agree i mean you're in a game five and you have five fouls and you're oh six from the floor basically just a non-factor something needs needs to change and i understand you know he's kyle lowry but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see he's not a hundred percent yeah it's a bummer because i like lowry we do we like him like physically a couple years ago he was really at his prime he's a good leader guy's like, like, you know, he, he inspires you. He can get you fired up. He's really smart. Even when he's not playing, I like, like you watch Lowry and he's showing hero and other guys like what to do. He's coaching them. I mean, like like, he's, it's it's just father time, right? It it hits a point where like you go to pull and he just, I I mean, like, look, they're, they're doing the best they can. Exactly. They thought for sure. Like they were going to be able to get a Giannis. And if they didn't get Giannis, they thought they're going to be able to trade for Bradley Beal to have somebody there. But they're kind of like in like a weird situation. I mean, like you're sort of overachieving a little bit with what they have. Right. But I mean, you look at like the Celtics, the Celtics free agents next year are Broderick Thomas and Luke Kinnert, who. They don't, they're not even in the rotation. So they're basically going to be able to roll out the same exact team going in to next year in terms of the, excuse me, the Miami Heat, who I'm pulling up right now, if I can find them. Um, They have for next year, Edmund, Morris, Oladipo, PJ Tucker as a player option and have, what's his name? Pat. Who's the old guy on the bench? Oh, uh, Haslam, Udonis. Haslam. Like, you know, like they they have those guys. That's that's their free agents. They they were banking they were going to get Giannis or Beal, like I said. They just need somebody else with Butler. I mean, Embiid's tweet is great. I mean, their culture, how they build people up is to get the most out of people. But we need to remember at the end of the day, you have Struess, who was undrafted. Yep. Gabe Vincent, who was undrafted. 
And that was your starting backcourt for games one and two. You need to have someone there. Don't get me wrong. I feel Struess and Vincent are good, good players and could be productive role players. But in order to be like the quote unquote dude starting, they're not that. Yeah. So, and I mean, not having hero and let's face it, if, from what I'm being told, if hero, if this was the regular season, it would be announced heroes out for a month. But since it's the playoffs, they're not doing that. Yeah. You know, so they, yeah, they're, they're lacking some offensive file power. Is, as uh, any, any chance at all, they can, they can win two games in a row. I just, there's can't. always a chance. There's, yeah. Know, right. It's sports. There's, and it's two, it's not four. It's yeah, two games. Are, it's not four. Like Jason Tatum can come out and, and tweak his ankle. And let's start the game. Like this Celtics team. They're not is, that good. Right. That's the like, thing too. They've made they have made it to the conference finals so many times and they haven't been able to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Like you don't know. Like, and this team, I'll tell you what, the Celtics team, like they, it's it's easy to get along with people in a team when there's a small thing when everything is going right. Yep. But once you feel a little adversity, that's when it's hard. And I I know firsthand there is a prominent player on that team that the majority of the guys can't stand. And um, it, it would be interesting to see, like, if they do it down, like, 3-1 or 3-0, you know, like, how that happens. Do you still have that feel like everything was magical, right? When you're... Yeah, hunky-dory, you know what it, I mean? Like It's going to be... And I will be the first one to say, like, if, if Boston wins and beats Miami and they go and beat this version of Golden State, healthy without any issues i'll be i'd be pretty surprised and and i will give them a ton of credit for doing it and boston plays hard and they play good defense and they battle so they will always have a chance if they do but they just haven't felt like a team that you know like last year for example the bucks won and people team you could look at and say well maybe the bucks caught a break or two people can also say well yeah Giannis was hurt right but well, I, mean, I feel did. like the like, Bucks they, they caught the, a break with let's face it, they caught a break because Irving got hurt. Irving yeah. hurt his ankle. And then also, like, we need to remember Katie's foot was on the line. If yeah. Katie's foot's not on the line, they're yes, out. They're out. You know, so and they um they caught so did they did they, they catch a break, break, but they still felt like they were at least in the conversation for the best team. Oh yeah, right. like, like when you look at the big scheme of things, like last year, um, you know, definitely like you felt like. Let me put it this way: you felt like whoever won the Nets, sell the Nets, um, Brooklyn, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Bucks series, whoever won the Eastern Conference semifinal, you felt whoever won that was going to beat the um the uh, 76ers or the Hawks on the other yeah. side of the bracket. Yep, absolutely. Make it to the finals. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like they did get a break and you and I have talked about it. Like te- like every team gets a break. Every year I mean, it that's, does. That's it, just, and it, I mean, the NBA season, it's a long, grueling season. I mean, it's absolutely brutal. I mean, like. The Golden State's got breaks this year and and they've got multiple breaks, I, I think. And the, so that'll be, that'll be the one, right? Because. Golden State and Boston, we can both look at if they make it there and say both of these teams got breaks. But I think for me, if Golden State wins, I'll look back and go, Golden State probably like still could have won, I think, 
maybe in tougher situations, yeah. maybe right against. I don't know if Boston could have. Like, yeah, I don't think you... Boston's beating beating the Bucks with Middleton. I just don't. Oh no, like, they're, they're not beating the Bucks with Middleton. I don't even think I mean... they're getting. Like, I don't think they would have been able to get through this Miami team if Butler was playing how Butler was playing in the Philly series or in the first couple games of this series. Like, they yeah, they didn't really I mean, have. The Butler and Hero not being a hundred percent—that's definitely hurting the Celtics. And yep. but at the end of the day, like, look, like, how could I say this politely? It's not the Celtics' problem. They, you know what I mean? Like, you it's can't not, take it away from them. Yeah. It, they're not going to feel I'll, bad I'll, about yeah. it. All you can do is, like, at the Be end funny. of the day, is just put like your team in the position to win, to have role players and size, and that's what Stevens did. Stevens added, you know. Uh, Derek White. So when Smart got hurt, he can come in. Grant Williams, who cannot, who can be a pest on defense, knock down some threes. And they can go smaller he's, with Horford yeah, if they don't need Williams. Pieces. You look at like how the Bucks are constructed. It's obvious, and I've said this since you know the winter time with you. They did not have depth at the guard position, at the wing position, and at the end of the day, that hurt them when Middleton went down. What Middleton wasn't able to to cover up what they lacked in depth. You look at the Heat, it's obvious the Heat don't have enough scoring. They need another score. Have it be like an Eric Gordon. Same thing with the same thing with the yeah. Suns. The Suns needed another score. Like yeah. Eric Gordon's just sitting there in Houston. And you look at the Bucks, you look at the Heat, you look at the Suns. All three of those teams could have easily, easily used Eric Gordon. Where's uh Jamal Crawford when we need him? Right? He can come off the bench and still yeah, get a couple Crawford's buckets. Yeah, Jake, Jake crossover. But, uh, but, but um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. I mean, you can always sit back and say this should have been that and that should have been done. But yeah. at the end of the day, like every team has weaknesses. You can just kind of say like in terms of the teams, the Celtics and the Warriors probably have the least amount of weaknesses. Yep. Any team that wins the NBA finals because it's so it's never fluky mm-hmm. to win four series. It's never fluky. But you can definitely look back in each individual series or every game, because that's why what we, we do what we do in football, right? Because or in, in any games and I, and if I, I make the example with football because you can have teams in the NFL win three or four or five games in a row. That doesn't mean that they're very good. That doesn't mean that they're great. That means that they might've caught teams on short weeks. They might've caught a team where, they, the, they just completely matched up well with them, right? They've got a great run defense and the other team can't, st- you know, just whatever the scheme is. And that's that's why we rewatch these things over and over because it's always so fun to look in like Arizona Cardinals last year. They were undefeated and we kept saying, there's no way they're not even one of the five best teams in the league. Yeah. But but yeah. they're 7-0 or 8-0 and people keep wanting to jump on uh, jump on them until you realize that when two teams play each other, one of them is going to win. And there are so many different ways every game happens. Two teams can both have an awesome game and then one team loses. Two teams can both come in and play like crap. One team's got to win. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, like, it's, 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 it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, and that's comes down. And who knows? Like, one of the big things that we'll never know is the Pistons could have three-peated if that foul wasn't called on Lambeer when Jabbar right. did the skyhook in 1998, like, cause that was the Pistons were up three, two. I mean, so you can like, 
look back and see call through history the the woulda coulda coulda shoulda. you know bulls were up 2-0 against that pistons team i think two years later but the pistons ended up winning it so uh coming back winning it so yeah it's just there's so, like when you get five big athletes on the court dribbling a basketball crazy shit can happen yep it's inevitable it's going to happen Eric, what is going to happen this weekend for you? Uh, what do you got coming up on your podcast and, and some of your content this weekend? Um, I got uh, Jim and I are going to talk USFL. You know, we've been in Fuego with our USFL bets. Uh, my boy Brandon comes on. We talk a little NASCAR. Uh, my boy Sterling comes on. And we're going to talk about what is next for, you know, some of these NBA teams, this, mainly like, the the bucks or we're going to focus on the bucks what's next for the next for the bucks going into next year and you know the moves they need to make to keep Giannis happy and to try to win a championship and this time now as we sort of get into the nba finals it's always kind of like an unofficial signal to me to really start with the nfl prep now you know like once once the basketball stops and there's a little bit less and it's and, and I'm just kind of playing baseball and, and other racing stuff. Then I really start getting into the NFL prep. So we'll start talking a, yeah, a little bit NFL, more uh, NFL. Right around yeah. the corner. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff going on. You got God only knows what's going on. Debo wants to be played like a wide receiver one. Tua underthrowing people. You know, you got the whole. Where thing is Baker, run. my guy, going to land? What? Uh, probably with the Dallas Roughnecks. I know. Us. Oh, seriously, it's uh, it's going to be so. I can't wait till like someone good early in the year has an injury and then Baker needs to be like the shining, you know, like the white knight to come in and save the day. Let let right. Baker. But I mean, like, there's like at the end of the day, and I don't mean to sandbag on the Browns because they get sandbagged a lot. Um, there's franchises that are ran extremely well. This was awful. And every yeah, way they handle they, this, they could whether have, or not you like Baker, I like Baker. You don't like Baker that much. Right. But you are at least a like, like sharp enough. And when we have conversations, like when you rank him, you weren't ranking him dead last. You would put no, him where he should be right yeah. in like the middle or like right around. And so it's so weird that you couldn't have gotten something of value for this guy before everybody knew that now you're trying to get rid of him. Cause now yeah, nobody's going to give you anything for him. It's just one of those things. I mean, they totally like miss, miss the boat. Um, Shit the bed. Yeah. It's going to be handle this see just because like, you know, there are situations like you take a team like the giants, you know? Yeah. You could make Mayfield behind that line. Is he better than Jones? Maybe. Um, you put him in that situation. Maybe you look, um, Carolina, if he goes to Carolina, you know, I'd rather have Mayfield than Darnold. Um, I'd rather have Mayfield than Tua. I was going to say Miami. I was just going to say that one right now. Yeah. No, you just, there are spots that kind of look, but at the end of the day, you know, look, he wasn't healthy. He forced himself back. And then, you know, he's immature too. And like the stuff, the way he handles himself and some of the stuff he says and does online like that also doesn't help if you're not going to be someone who they're for sure you're going to come in and contribute right away they don't really want a, a head case in there if you're going to be bringing drama and, and extra so and if you're like backup they don't really want that that's sort of like why tebow never even got any more looks let's, towards the let's end. Face, like, i know like the nfl there's not really tanking quote-unquote tanking but um next year's quarterback class is legit why 
I, I'm not saying like if I'm hypothetically Seattle, why would I want to bring in Mayfield to win to, six games or seven to win like exactly six games when I could just have Locke win three and then Set I have yourself a top up, three pick. You, and, you pick yeah. who you want. Yeah. You pick your guy. So, you know, it's one of those things. Like if, but, but like, you're right. If one of those like top teams, like a, um, oh my God, like if Josh Allen gets hurt. Right. Like, yeah. Like Herbert, like one of like Mahomes, like exactly. one of those teams. Yep. Where, where you didn't need a guy, yeah, where you needed a guy sense. who like, you know, that Baker is capable of doing yeah. enough with, with, you know, a team like that to at least not screw it up so that, and you'd be better off with Baker than a backup or someone who hasn't been there. Um, yeah. It might be, it might be just waiting for the situation. We'll talk yeah, a lot and, more football yeah. here on that's what G said. And uh, we'll start having some preview shows on better than Vegas too. Busy weekend for you, my friend. Good luck in all of your wagers. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk some NBA finals next week. Sounds good, my man. Make sure to give Eric a follow at etoff 21 And uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more coming on this episode. That's what she said. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. So up next, I'm going to play the audio from the portion of the live stream that we recorded when we start talking about everything for Saturday. So it's Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, and myself. They give out some Saturday Gulfstream plays, and then we all give out some Santa Anita stuff for Saturday. And then we actually talk a little bit about Monday for Lone Star as well on there. So, just a little bit of uh, extra stuff for you. And then following that, we'll start getting into Sunday, Louisiana, Santa Anita, Monday, Louisiana, Monday, Lone Star, right here. Lots more to come. We can head on over to Saturday. You guys have some golf stream for Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I have most of mine at Santa Anita, so I'll let you guys uh, navigate the way over at golf stream. So, where are we looking for golf stream for Saturday? Uh, Barry, tell us where we're going to head first. Um, we're going to go and start in, let's see, I'm scrolling through and I, and I didn't write it. It's a uh, race six is my first play. Okay. That's fine. Race Mine aren't six. until the end nine and 11. So. Okay. Okay. So we're so on I, six. I definitely have 11 also. Okay. Okay. We might have another little double up. We've had a few of those already today. Uh, race six at Gulfstream park. So for everyone who's, uh, who's hanging out. We're taking a look at Saturday, May the 28th out at Gulfstream, and we're going to jump into race number six. And we're always looking at the past performances at drf.com because look at how convenient it is when we're handicapping. We can click on the charts. We can click on the race replays. We can click on the statistics for the trainers and quickly find out all sorts of relevant information. And uh, the relevant information in this race is the winner that Barry is about to give us in uh, <laughs> who is that in race? Know that. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, a handicap, an overnight um, five furlongs on the turf. And I ended up on number two tape to tape. I just, uh, you know, looking at, at the speed figures and everything, I think this horse just may be playing straight up faster than everybody in here. Um, the five horse who's, who's, Lukewarm morning line uh, favorite Warriors Pride is really shaky. It, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, um, <clears throat> why this horse just somehow just can't finish races. I mean, you see in July, Warriors Pride ran in the turf sprint for 100K at, uh, at Gulfstream and won last July 4th. Then runs in a similar race as today and just didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, maybe something happened. They laid him off all the way to February of 2022. Um, it, it came back in a grade three turf sprint. Lost to Yes, I'm Free and Richie, who um, probably wouldn't be favored in this spot. Yes, I'm Free probably would be. Uh, Richie, probably not. But, um, you know, speed faded. Did the same thing in the Silks run uh, March 12th. Speed faded. Um, and won an optional claimer 62, but 
if you notice the races that this horse has won really got an early lead and and put some separation between him mm -hmm. and everybody else i don't think that's going to happen today I, I i don't you know now i don't think this horse is, is going to be on the lead by himself like that in order to get that kind of trip and every time this horse gets headed or is close to somebody else he just stops and you know, I, my tie uh, my tie on the outside's got some speed you've got um even the six right next door is going to be pressing a little bit. you got the four who's got a little bit of speed. There's plenty. The two who you mentioned tape to tape is also quick, but it's just not going to be easy. So if you're going to use a horse that's got speed, you don't want to use the short price horse who's super right, vulnerable exactly. and one-dimensional. Exactly. But I, I just think uh, tape to tape is, is going to get out and go. Yeah. Um, you, you see the the race on March 18th, the uh, 2, which is a cheap level compared to this. Um, just just a, a big improvement, you know, first time on the turf. Mm -hmm. Then they he got rained off, ran on synthetic and one and one going away. I think this just horse is just razor sharp right now um, and, and can be as fast as this short field goes. Um, I, I just think this horse is just going to be in front and go wire to wire. I, I don't really see too much here. Two tape. Eight to one on the morning line, only going to cost you 3000 in your stable dual lineups. So, uh, Matt, you said you're later on in the card, right? Yeah, I'm in race nine. Race nine for Matt? Yeah. Eight. Oh, you're, you're an eight? You've okay, got one in go eight. for it. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah. in race number eight. We're, uh, we're headed to the turf here. Yeah, so this is a uh, <clears throat> a claimer, $16,000 claimer, seven and a half furlongs on turf, which I kind of view as more of a mile because it's literally like a couple hundred yards short of a mile. I don't know why they round down, but I know. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is an, it's kind of an interesting race because these horses have been kind of beating up on each other for quite some time. You see Vittori Kin, uh, Benelux, they've all been running at this level. Officer Country, uh, Jupiter Blues. But I ended up with number uh, six, Double Tough Tiger at a price. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to to kind of gauge but this horse is out of tourist um not sure why this horse has only been on the lawn one time i'm very actually curious i wish i could talk yeah. to the connections and find and out even the dam also won on the turf to, right you know, and to it, just add to it uh, as well so there, there is like some sneaky turf pedigree with this horse yeah and and you know i i don't think that the rest of them are, are just so spectacular on the turf that this horse can't be beat this horse has you know comparable numbers on on the on the dirt that uh that will fit with this group mm -hmm. and also a running style i mean this horse can run on the lead but doesn't have to necessarily be on the lead i don't think um you know it's just a new face in a new place kind of deal mm -hmm. uh I, I really took a long look at the one benelux but I opted to to go somewhere else only because it, it just seems almost too obvious, especially off the claim. This horse is going to get bet down. And, and I don't really think that Benelux might give uh, a, a great performance today. It looks like, you know, he might be on the decline after the mm -hmm. last race uh, when he got claimed. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to steer away from that one. End up on Double Tough Tiger, who's 12 to 1 on the morning line. Stable Duel is a great play. Absolutely. Um, and you know, hopefully that that price holds. I think it will. Yeah, um, we'll probably be somewhere around that twelve to one. So uh, I can't wait to bet this one tomorrow. 
Double Tough Tiger, the number six, who is 12 to one, only cost you 750 in your stable dual lineups. As we continue rolling along the Gulfstream Park Saturday card, Matt has a play in race number nine. We'll head to the yeah. dirt. Matty, uh, who are we looking at in this one? Yeah, we'll look at the three. Bad, bad, Bobby. Uh, $35,000 claimer, uh, six and a half furlongs on the turf, uh, on the dirt, I should say. And part of the reason I like this horse is just they I seems like they finally figured out what this horse does best. Uh, they tried to run this horse on synthetic the first time out. Uh, not bad. Uh, you know, sprinting uh, just finished a length behind in fifth, made up a lot of ground late was passing horses. But then they tried to stretch this horse out on the turf. And that's clearly not what this horse wanted to do. Uh, and then the third, you know, third tries to charm. And they ran this horse on the dirt sprinting. And uh, got a win. You saw a big perk up in the buyer speed figures. I should point out a horse we actually mentioned previously uh, today, Uranium, who's the two to one favorite on the Friday uh, maiden claimer that we talked about. Yeah. Was the horse that he actually beat last time out. Um, so, you know, if you, it, I really don't have a problem kind of drawing a line through those first two efforts because they're on two different surfaces. Absolutely. And if you just look, this horse ran a 68, broke its maiden first try on dirt. I like that a lot. And now you're stepping up in class a little bit, but it, this is not an unbeatable group by any stretch of the imagination. No. Star, uh, Starlight Walker, who's the overwhelming morning line favorite and the number two horse, actually did kind of a similar jump you know going from you know winning a twenty five thousand dollar maiden claimer and then finishing a really close second in a twenty five thousand allowance and, and running com pretty comparable speed figures in that maiden so uh i really like bad bad bobby in this spot i also uh the other thing i should point out is i like the works you know there was a really nice uh, solid workout after that maiden victory and then a really relaxed workout this week and i tend to like that style uh, that's if people like a lot of times Steve Aspison does that where like the last yeah. uh, workout before the race is actually pretty relaxed. Uh, and so I like that. And the other thing I'll mention is trainer Aubrey Mara is just crushing Gulfstream park right now. Mm -hmm. Only 12 races, but four winners, nine in the money. Uh, so you're looking at a 67% in the money rate right now. Uh, and so I just really like the way things lined up for this horse six to one on the morning line, only going to cost you $5,000, which is that average stable dual Horse price uh, is not going to put you over budget or anything like that. So I like Bad Bad Bobby in race nine. Bad Bad Bobby for Maddie. Um, and uh, as we continue along, Barry, you said you've got eleven, right? Yep, we both, yes, sir. Yeah, both in the eleven. Okay, cool. So we're head. We'll head to the big drama. Shout out to uh, one of my favorite dramas, Johnny Drama from Entourage. That was my oh, guy yeah, over right. there, oh, old. Uh, uh, I saw him. I saw the character Kevin Dillon, who uh, the actor Kevin Dillon, who plays Johnny Drama. Um, he was up at Santa Anita one time, up in the front runner, sitting up there. And actually, this was like well before I was even doing anything on TVG or doing anything like actually professionally horse racing. And I walked up to him and said, "Oh, there's a horse in this race, blah blah blah, that's gonna win." And 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 the horse actually won. And so I remember he was kind of smiling and just sort of like pointing and you know. So I, I always like, oh, I gave I gave him a winner. Me and Johnny Drama are friends. You know, we go we go, <laughs> we go way back now. Me and uh, me and Dylan. But we're talking big drama, and uh, we're talking a stakes race on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. So Matt, why don't you tell us uh, who you like in this one? Oh, all right, I'll go first. So I I'm gonna go with Chivalry, the number three. Uh oh, uh, and so uh oh, 
Uh oh. What, what are you on? Are you on? That's, that's, that's who I'm on. Oh, oh so all right. Third, we had one with all three. We had one with me and Barry, and we had one with Matt and Barry. So yeah. lots of similarities this weekend. Yeah, well, that's great. I wasn't sure if you were going to be with me on this one. So oh, yeah, yeah. Shivery at, at 12 to 1, only going to cost you $750 in a stable duel. Uh, this is a horse that I just think is really consistent, too. Uh, and so this is a horse that's 5 for 8 in the money at this distance, 9 for 18 in the money lifetime at uh, Gulfstream Park. Horse gets the blinkers on, which I think is actually going to be a really big help, going to be more forwardly placed. This horse always runs really strongly when up in that number one, two, three position. So I like that. Uh, Barry mentioned this trainer earlier, Ralph Nix, trainer Shivery, winning at a 31% clip at Gulfstream Park. And the other thing is, last two efforts were just against much better competition. Uh, and so you, you, you take that for what you will. Ran against Speaker's Corner and Fearless, two out. And then last time out, ran against Weyburn and Collaborate. Yeah, uh, those horses would be like one to nine if they were running in this race. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so I don't mind second back from the layoff. And, and the other thing to mention, this horse has run well in state restricted stakes races before, you know, has a win, has a second in those types of races. So a lot to like with Chivalry, the number three uh, in race 11. But I'll let Barry talk about more. Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered all the bases here. Um, you know, if you look at the past performances, there was three races there last year, December 11th, uh, September 25th, and August 14th in restricted state-bred company. Um, won one of them and just missed twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, then stepped up in the Hooper on uh, Pegasus Day and honestly didn't run all that bad. No, <laughs> against uh, you know Speaker's Corner, who's who's an absolute monster. Fearless just needed to get away from Speaker's Corner, <laughs> and then officiating came out of that race and won also. Um, then in the Sir Shackleton, I, I I think you know they were shopping this horse around for a while trying to get a spot. Um, not sure if it was it was kind of injury related because the, the horse was entered in at Tampa a few times and didn't run. Um, showed up in the Sir Shackleton didn't run a step, uh, on, on Florida Derby day, but this is, this is more of this horse's speed. Um, you know, kind of Matt hit, hit the head, a nail on the head. These are just, uh, this is just a way better spot against a company that I think, you know, this horse will be able to sit a great trip behind King cab, who I, I kind of suspect is going to get over bet. Same thing with Willie boy. I think they're going to be way too low in, in price and shivery will probably kind of float up a little bit, um, but it's going to be less than the morning line, but still a great price. Barn won with their last three starters. Also on a little bit of a, a, a streak right now. And uh, Shivery will be uh, a horse who just again, fits to me, probably more like a six to one shot in here, right? Like probably like yes. five or six. To one, that, yeah. And you're and you're going to have to pay up about 12 to one. So that's, that's where it seems like there's value there. For Shivery, Saturday, Gulfstream Park. So plenty of opportunities for you Saturday at Gulfstream as we head to Saturday, Santa Anita. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll also give out a couple for uh, Monday. And we'll mention that Stable Duel is doing a really cool Monday contest. It's going to be charity-based. So they have a Memorial Day big card at Lone Star. We'll take a look at one or two plays from there. I think Matt and I have uh, one or two that we can mention for Monday at yep. Lone Star. Uh, so for Saturday, Santa Anita, um, Barry, where do you, uh, where do you look for Saturday, Santa Anita? 
Um, I believe we're in race four first. Let me scroll down. And Matt, how about for you for Santa Anita for, uh, for I'm Saturday? I'm in five and seven. Five and seven. Okay. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a little later in the car too. I'm going to go five, seven, and nine. So uh, if we're not anything well, earlier. I'm, lo- I'm, I'm totally off. Sorry. Okay. It's race six. Okay, cool. So we'll start <laughs> race six in- is my first one. Cool. So we'll start in the fifth and then we'll just sort of navigate uh, our way on from the fifth a little bit. Race number five is uh, one that I believe Matt and myself both uh, will look to make a little bit of a play. So I'm looking in the uh, the fifth race, Matt, at the number two. So okay. I'm told. Right. Um, now, on speed figures, what makes it difficult for this horse, so I'm told. So this is a this is the Snow Chief. So this is a, a stakes race here, mile and an eighth on the turf course. And what makes it hard to get a gauge for this horse is his only turf race came like early on in, in the two-year-old season. Yeah. So speed figures just change so much from that point to later on, just by the races and the company that you're keeping. So it's hard to look at him and go, you know, Oh, well, I speed figures he's severely overmatched by this group. Yeah, you're right. It, that was early on at two. I think he's just a little bit different horse now in his second start. He ran into a pretty tough group at low Sal. We, we just talked about straight up G a few moments ago, that horse for uh jungle racing for Jim Rome, who was, a multiple stakes winner and who actually beat open company. The runner up in that race was named Phineas. Phineas is multiple graded stakes placed. Phineas was a runner up in the best pal and the runner up in the Del Mar futurity. You look at the third place finisher, fast draw Munnings came, uh, came out of finishing third in that race to win the Cal cup Derby in their next start. This was a really live race. That's so I'm told kind of got thrown into just because it was like, Oh, we have a pretty good horse. There's a Calbred stakes race. Let's just see if they fit. And that, that's kind of what happens a lot of the times where it's like, maybe there isn't a whole bunch of other stuff going long on the turf at that time that fits. So we know the horse can go long. Let's put him on the dirt and see what we got. Well, he just didn't really fire on the dirt and that's fine. But now you, you've, you've got a nice steady tab. What I like about this work tab, there's a seven furlong and a mile work. <laughs> Which I don't see that every day. Hardly ever see. <laughs> which yeah. are really cool. I, I just yeah. don't think I don't think fitness will be a problem for this horse. Like going the mile and an eighth in a small field, I think he'll be able to save ground, sit, and if maybe we get the the way I'm seeing it shape up on paper, maybe the the four is going to go. The outside horse smugglers run is going to go. So I think those two will be flashing some speed. The the three. And the, the two might be sitting like third and fourth in here. This horse just could be sitting in a good spot, 12 to one, lots of upside, 750 in your stable dual lineup. So won't cost you a whole heck of a lot. and only has to beat a couple horses in here to even pick up some points. But I think there is some upside with this horse um, and, and yeah. you know, reasons to expect some improvement and some built in progression in the speed figures too. 
So that's my play in race number five. Matt, who are you looking at? In Good this thing field? you went away from your your buddy there, worse Reed Sanchez. Oh, I know. He <laughs> just likes to finish third. He just likes to finish third. I couldn't do it again. I yeah. just couldn't. No. Yeah, Burned a little so. too much money in the last two, I, also as your, uh, as your favorite in both of those. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to so, do it again. He is going to do it again. And well. so, uh, so I actually went right next door to the number three, Vincero Grande, who's a Philly running you against totally the boys. Totally see this one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, another eight to one, $3,000 uh, stable dual play. Uh, this is a Philly that's five for six in the money, two wins, three seconds. Uh, is coming down from Golden Gate, but I, that last effort on turf, I think, was really encouraging was stretching out to a mile and a 16th as well. So I don't think the mile and eighth is going to be a problem. One of the things that I was, that it kind of made me not raise my eyebrow, but kind of go, Oh, okay. Is Juan Hernandez jumps aboard. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's, who's kind of the top jockey in, in Santa Anita right now in terms of yeah. win percentage, 22% win rate. He kind of has his pick in a lot of instances of who he wants to ride. And the fact he chose to ride Vincero Grande in a race where there were so there were other horses that were kind of looking for new jockeys, I think tells you a little something about what he might think of this horse. So uh, I just think this kind of race sets up nicely. You already set up the pace scenario that I was going to talk about where mm-hmm. I just think this sets up nicely with uh, our two Vincero. horses are going to, should be sitting right uh, next to our each other. Our two horses should yeah, sit right next to each other off the pace and have plenty turning for home. So uh, I just think I, you know, also Philly going against the boys, it's easy to root for, but uh, I do think Vincero Grande to your point, doesn't have to beat a lot of horses to, yeah. to get you some positive points. And for only $3,000, I think is a really viable play at Santa Anita on Saturday. So uh, we always either attack the same horses or the same races because we think the favorites there may be a little bit vulnerable. And that's what we see with horses like Worst Reed Sanchez and Smuggler's Run, who he he might be nice, but he's yeah. going to have to stretch out for the first time. He's probably going to be dealing with other pace in here. And it's not easy to go from like six and a half to a mile and an eighth. It's a no. big stretch out. It's That's not like you're going from out. a mile to a mile and an eighth. That's we don't right. even really know if this horse wants to go a mile. And now he's got to answer the mile and an eighth test also at a short price. Yep. So that's a, that's a race that we're looking to attack on Saturday. The snow chief race number five, Barry, you said you've got a race number six. Oh, Barry, you're muted. I think you're muted. Absolutely. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Um, no. Definitely have a, a pick in the sixth. Um, this one I actually like quite a bit here. Um, this is a maiden, uh, state bred maiden, $50,000 claimer. Uh, the horse that I'm going with is number six, Tribal Dancing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you could pull up the October 30th race, yep. kind of says it all. Um, and you kind of foreshadowed here, we're talking about Moose Mitchell. Look who's down in this horse- race, our boy star entry. Yeah. <laughs> our yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, this horse is the two here. And if you watch this whole entire race and then you come to the past performances and you're like, how is this horse 10 to one on the line? It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, a- but that's okay. Cause we're going to use that to our advantage. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> you're right. We, uh, we talked about Moose Mitchell. Who's nice. You're using him as a measuring stick. You know, what's really funny about this horse too. Like this is a great, a, a very good race all the way around tribal dancing. Six. Yeah. Like stocks presses. This is going six furlongs. Ran a winning a, race. That was really the key for me. Is this and, horse and ran a winning race and just didn't win? Are are very comparable with everyone else. And then that race was in October, 
and that race sent him to the bench for a while, there might have been even a little bit of a reason why he was sort of flat late in that race. Yeah, he takes After, the lead. He goes you know, right, the lead. right, right on the front end, right here, he's, turning for home. In I, he takes I the lead. He's sneaky. <laughs> he's, he's definitely like a pick four, pick five horse. What's funny about this horse too? So tribal dancing, who's got star entry in that running line? Look who he lost to in his debut. So I'm told. The horse That's who correct. I just mentioned yeah. too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of uh, of like carryover and and crossover from the horses that we've mentioned. Yeah, he he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, you got the horse Chipper who who's had ten slices at it, and they went to the turf, <laughs> went to the dirt. It's just it. Like they what call do you him do? Chipper, faster <laughs> than lightning. Yeah, chipper. I can't, I can't, no. I can't trust a horse like that. And then you have Bags Gold, who's seven to two on the line, who looks okay, but um, you know, it, it's hard to say what this horse is going to do because he, he got roughed up in the beginning of that race, uh, his only race. Uh, gets gets Lasix this time. He might be tough, but man, that that race that Tribal Dancing ran um, on October thirtieth should win this one. It's a, um, a bang up race. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. So we're gonna give that one a try. Ten to one. I mean, why yep. not? Tribal dancing is a, a good fit. Hor I, I and when I just handicapped the full card and kind of going through, um, the three horses who I had in this race were six, nine, and ten. Uh, th <laughs> those were the three. And um, these two horses got jammed up at the start. It was brutal. Um, yeah. So if you're playing, they. Um, the, or the the nine in particular, and a couple of the other horses in this race that were in the Dutch bus race, it was the eight and the nine. But I, I yeah, like I remember that race too because they tried tougher. This horse got a brutal start, and so he sort of interesting too. Aguirre is one of those barns who I and I know Paul pretty well. He just doesn't get a bunch of stock, but he's super capable with horses that he gets, and they always show like a little bit of speed, and they're always going to be like a little bit better price because it's not a barn that has a ton of horses and a ton of stock, but he can get horses ready to fire and, and ready to rock and roll. So uh, that is on Saturday as we were looking at race number six. So, uh, Matt, I think you and I both said race seven also, right? Correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got one in seven too. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay, race number seven. Matt, tell us where we're looking for the seven. I'm going all the way to the outside. Number 10, Raging Waters. Okay. 10 to 1. I don't number know nine. if yep. anybody else. Number nine. Yep. Oh, number nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, number yeah. nine. Which is um, a great place to go in San Dimas, uh, the theme park. You guys know about Raging Waters? <laughs> you guys know about that place? In Southern I've heard California of it. Here? I've heard oh, of it. Yeah. It's bomb. It. You got the water slides all over. I'm only about 15 minutes away from it. It's actually close to where the old uh, Fairplex is. It's not too far from Santa Anita. It's fun. I mean, you used, that's, that's one of those places when you're like 12, you get like a season pass and you have Let's your parents drop day. you off and you're there every day in the summer. <laughs> and you know, you're like, you got, it's like you, you start to sort of figure out how yeah. you're with your friends and you're like looking over at the girl over in the corner and they're like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? You see the smile by the, uh, by the shake machine. Like one of those, you know, that was, a, <laughs> that was, a, yeah. <laughs> Loved me a little raging Love. waters there as, Love. uh, we, uh, we, talk raging waters now yep. matt as a get me off of my diatribe please because no, i'll start yeah. talking so, about the black yeah, hole and all the so, different so, slides so, yeah. and, you know so so race seven sixty nine thousand dollar allowance on the downhill turf uh i like i identified this horse as one i really liked it, it 10 to 1 on the morning line only going to cost you a thousand dollars only has one career start on the turf uh and it was a really good one and finished yeah. right behind the three to one favorite carulian and yeah. so 
you know, if Carulian's three to one and this horse, you know, first time out on turf finished right behind him, then, you know, you go, well, why is this horse 10 to one? So uh, I, I just think that coming back on the turf is going to set up well. Uh, also, that did not get off to a great start that, that day. I was going to say, uh, I, and that was a bad trip. You can't see it on here. Yeah, because yeah. some of the some of the replays every now and then won't pull up, and that one you, you yeah. can't get on here. But it was it was a slow. That's what I was it, looking to show it, you too. So yeah, it was a tough start. Which uh, the beauty of the downhill turf course is you don't really have tough starts. Uh, nope. And so uh, that's the nice part there. I think. The, and outside up, isn't a problem. No, outside not a beneficial. problem at all. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so this horse ran his best speed figure on the turf of 78. Interestingly enough, you compare that to forgiving spirit in this same race who basically ran a 77 first time on turf granted yep. only second career race, but you know, forgiving spirits, what five to two, seven to two on the morning line. Yep. Um, so, you know, so we're projecting a bump there. I don't know why we wouldn't project a bump for Raging Waters as well. Just because this horse has a lot of other career starts under its belt, this is still only its second turf start. So I kind of treat it as its second overall start in some ways. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's going to be speed in this field. So I think the running style of coming from a little off the pace is going to work out quite nicely. So I like Raging Waters, the number nine at 10 to one for $1,000. Um, I'm going right next door. Okay. This oh, is a wow. This is a cutback that you and I like a little bit, Barry. You know, yeah, this, this yeah. cutback from the mile to six and a half. Now, this horse might just get immediately dismissed because he comes in from Turf Paradise. Yes, that's you why know? I dismissed him. And, 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 and <laughs> that honestly, is, that is also why I dismissed him. But, no, and, but and, talk and, to me, Gino. <laughs> and honestly, the races at Turf Paradise right now around this point in these spots, like the turf races, they're really not bad because what ends up happening, a lot of the horses from out here in Southern California go there when they just can't fill these races. So these races are not bad. And if you look at like where he stacked up in Southern California, it's not bad. Or when he was in California before at Golden Gate in Northern California, the, he was in like starter allowance spots. The real key about all this, all this was against open company, right? Now we're in back in with Calbreds. Now he's drawn to the outside. Like we said, which is nice down the hill. He's got some of that positional speed, but he can sit and he can actually pass horses. So his turf form overall, and you know, Matt, like if we're just comparing speed figures, like you, mm -hmm. like you were just doing, look at his last turf race. He's, he's yeah. got a 75 buyer speed figure, which is like right there with like the 77, 78s that we were talking about with some of the top contenders in here. This was the last time he was on the turf, which was in a race that was going seven and a half furlongs at turf paradise. So pretty comparable when we're thinking about distances and he's the four uh, in this race. Um, this is a little bit of an adventure <laughs> here. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's watch a little on, on this one. So this is back on April the 1st. So the four horse who you can see, cause he's the gray. So he's going to end up kind of settling and then he's going to move up and you'll see, He's sort of in a perfect spot right here. Sort of like just settle right there where you yeah. are. Um, he's going to end up going just like a little bit wider and, and he needs to, and it's an, it's an okay spot where he is. He, he comes, he comes flying. And when he does, it is just brutal, brutal trip for no longer a hobby. So and the camera work out here. I saw Benny South Street, who does Trip Note Pros, talking about the camera work at Turf Paradise. It's really hard sometimes <laughs> trying to watch some of these back when you're when you're uh, doing the uh, the replay work. But now 
now we're rushing into traffic right here. Um, so now you got to top tap on the brakes and now look at, so now where the four is right here, we're kind of moving right into it. We're starting to move right up sort of like into a group of horses and a big outside burst. So uh, there's a little bit of something here with no longer a hobby. And I, you know, when I was, I was like watching this race, I was like, I pulled up the wrong race. I'm like, why is like, why is this like not at all looking like what I'm, I'm like looking at? I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, that, it, but, but that race showed, I mean, that horse has a burst when it was. So, to so go. watch. Okay. I mean, Here, here's, yeah. The, the whole, the whole point, I'm like, I'm laughing at myself. Like while I'm watching, I'm like, this isn't like <laughs> making at all sense, whatever at all. So the, the third place finish is the one I'm looking back here. I, I was pulling up this race that was way down here. And that's why when he moved early. So the April 1st race is the one, and that was against an optional 25 group. So we're talking about like the levels and if these races can compete and if these races stack up, you know what? Like this is a horse who, was competitive over at Canterbury. This is a horse who's been facing open company and is now going to be back in with Calbreds and is now drawn really well towards the outside. I like the way this race shapes up. I like the uh, the spot for no longer a hobby. So a race where we all have horses. Matt is going to look at Raging Waters. I'm going to no longer a hobby. They're both 10 to 1. And Barry, you've got someone else in here, right? Yep, number two, Big Flame. Okay, Big Flame. We've all got horses that are easy to use in your stable dual lineups because they're all going to be at least the average of what you need to spend. So tell us a little bit about big flame sniper. Yeah, I, I think this horse has a good chance here. Um, if you look at the races in 2022, the first one on February 27th horse one at six and a half, you know, on the, the normal six and a half furlong course. Um, you know, that was a good race to come off the bench from, from November 21st. And I, I think they, they kind of overshot themselves Yeah, and didn't get quite a great ride on April 2nd. I think they wanted to be a little bit closer <laughs> than what they did. And, and, and the horse was four and five wide um, and just didn't really run. Um, but I think, you know, and, and this is where the gamble is, is I think this horse will, will definitely be more forwardly placed with the with the rider switch to Edwin Maldonado. And that's going to put this horse in a better position to finish uh, coming down the hill. And I think that was the plan going into that race, even though, you know, uh, going from a, a, a condition claimer, 25,000 non-winners of two to a state bred allowance, uh, 71,000 is a little bit of a, of a jump, but not too much. But I think the horse just didn't get in any position and, and kind of gave it up. And, and I think that's why the rider only rode him once. Big. Um, yeah, big flame, man. Big flame. Yeah, I mean, you know, they went to the to the main track the last time, kind of ran ran around there, stumbled out of the gate, didn't, didn't run all that great, didn't run well, you know, just kind of. Ran in the middle of the road. But one thing that does stand out to me is, is Steve Miotti's really good with turf sprints. He's a 23% trainer this year with that. Um, the turf to dirt angle and then the lay or the spacing between races, he's he's 30%. So it seems like this is what this horse wants to do. And all of his, his you know, uh, turf sprints haven't been all that bad. Um, considering he's only, he's won one of them at a pretty decent number. Yep. 
but this this seems like a a, a pretty good spot to bounce back. I think he's a must use if you're playing any sort of late exotics there. That's yeah. Big Flame, the number two. So we all attack race number seven as a race to uh, to look at and uh, a race to possibly play. And I've got one in the ninth. What? The get out race. Anybody else have anything uh, along the way? And then we'll have nope. one or two for, uh, for nope. Monday for Lone Star before we finish up this week. So the get out for me, I know this is Barry's style normally. Um, <laughs> I'm going to the number four in here, Sasser B. So, Sassy Serb. Sassy Serb. I always say Sasser B. Sassy Serb. <laughs> so, it could be the other way. No, it's not. It's definitely not. It's, <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely not. Um, let's take a look at his re, uh, her recent form. She's a five year old mare. So, she got a nice sort of confidence, easy win last time out at, at Golden Gate. Before that, though, two starts back, she's going six and a half. In the Irish O'Brien, she's going down the hill six and a half, and she's behind Becca Taylor. This is a nice horse. Becca Taylor's seven for eight. She's a multiple stakes winner. Her only loss, she lost by a nose. When she was second, she was only beating a nose that day. The winner that day, uh, Eddie's New Dream, is a nice filly also. She's great at stakes placed. She was in the Wilshire. So that's a couple starts back. Now, three starts back, she's... You know, also in a race where she's behind Mraz, who's sort of a stakes place type, rocking redhead. Tony Ann in the race before that had run had won three races in a row. So she runs into a, a sharp Tony Ann there. Uh, the race prior to that, you've got Mucho Unusual, who's a grade one winner and is coming up on a million in, in earnings. I think this is a really nice spot for Sassy Serb, who's been facing open company as of late. And now after facing open company is back in with Calbreds here. This, to me, just looks like a really nice spot for her. She got a good confidence-building win last time out on figures and everything. She fits really, really well. She's not going to have to deal with a, a mucho unusual type like she had to deal with in some of these open races. I mean, this first-level allowance wins down here, those races would absolutely beat this group. Sassy Serb, the number four. Thank you, Barry. Uh, six to one on uh, on this one. And uh, only cost us 3000 in our stable dual lineup. So normally we give you some Friday, we give you some Saturday, but Matt stable duels doing something really cool this weekend. And on Monday, because it's a holiday Monday and a lot of big racing out there, they're actually going to have a fun contest on Monday that involves, uh, I know some charity involvement. Do you know the exact specifics on that? What they've said? It's like, tw- I think they said 20% or let yeah. me see if I can. Can we pull it up? Do you know? Yeah, it? absolutely. Pull it up. But yeah, they're going to be giving the charity. I believe Saratoga Warhorse is the the charity that they're going to be donating to on Memorial Day. Obviously, uh, you know, wanting yep. to give back to our veterans who've served. And, uh, you know, it, it's been, uh, you know, not to get political, but it's been a tough week, uh, I think, for the oh, country. Yeah. And uh, and so giving back to, to those who served and giving back to those who have, you know, paid a lot uh, is, is always a nice thing to do. So, uh, yeah. And, and so that, yeah, that, that it, it, I know it's a $20 contest, uh, on, on Monday, on a hundred percent donation Star. goes to yep. Saratoga Warhorse to support veterans and the OTTBs that help them cope with PTSD after coming home from service. There's yep. still going to be $200 in prizes, but all the entries are going to be donated, which is a very cool, uh, gesture for stable duel to make and on memorial day trying to give back a little bit so we wanted to raise a little bit of awareness and uh, and maybe give out a play or two for lone star for monday so uh where are you looking to make a play for lone star matt 
So I got I have two plays, race four and race twelve, uh, which okay. is the headliner. The Sexton, Let's start the Steve Sexton mile. in race number four. Talk to us about the fourth. So the fourth is a ten thousand dollar optional claimer starter allowance, uh, five furlongs on the dirt. I'm going to go with a horse that I liked back at Sam Houston, which is the number three Shifty Henry. Yeah, uh, fifteen to one, only going to cost you five hundred dollars. This is a really nice horse, uh, and this is a horse I liked a lot. We talked about this horse before. We've used this horse before. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Houston always seems to run really reliable races, um, and that's kind of the beauty. I mean, you, Gino, you get it out there when horses go from Santa Anita to Del Mar. It's nice in Texas to see the same thing. Horses going from Sam Houston to Lone Star. Mm-hmm. You can kind of follow some. You get of familiar with them. Yep. Yeah, you get very familiar with them. So, um, so Shifty Henry, though, got claimed last time out by Ronnie Cravens. Ronnie Cravens is one of the best in the business down in Texas, especially off the claim, 25% winner off the claim. Uh, This is a horse that, if you look, finished in the money the last five dirt sprints across multiple tracks at Remington Park and at Sam Houston. Uh, Tried the turf. That didn't go well. Last time out actually ran pretty well, just didn't put up a big speed figure. It was a slow race. Still finished a really competitive second. Um, like I said, if you look at the previous sprint dirt form, it's there, and he's right there with anybody else in this field. He's run competitively to with Declined, who's your seven to two second favorite. So, I think there's a lot of one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to like with Shifty Henry as a horse who's going to outrun his odds. It, probably going to take a little bit of money because of that Ronnie Cravens connection uh, as well. That's a name that a lot of people know who are going to be playing down there. So, for a really inexpensive play, I, I definitely like the Shifty Henry and the fourth race to uh, at least hit the board for you. And the beauty is, you know, for $500, as if he hits the board, that's a huge win. Like if he gets yep. third, uh, you know, happy days. Cause you're spending, <laughs> a, a, you know, a fraction of your overall budget and, you know, you're spending 1% of your budget basically and getting an ROI of like, you know, 10 or 12% of what you need to potentially uh, win the game. So in terms of points, so it's a uh, nice play, I think in race four. Just one uh, to mention real quickly here in the uh, seventh race. So the number five, Bob's bad boy, he's 12 to one on the morning line. He doesn't win a whole ton, but he v- always runs really well in these turf sprints. So if you're using Archidust as like a measuring stick, you know, he's right behind Archidust quite often. Archidust is a little bit better than him, but Archidust is five to two and he's 12 to one. Right. So if you're if you're building a stable dual lineup, he's the type of horse that you may want to use because he's really competitive with a horse that's just way more expensive than him. So uh, that one was worth mentioning. But uh, one of the plays that I really like is in race number 10. And I, uh, I yeah, I became a big fan of this horse um, through some of the Sam Houston races. Um, also got to give a shout out to uh, our friend Jessica Paquette because uh, I annoyed her quite a bit with uh, with this one. <laughs> And um, Barry and Matt, I will tell you, fellas, that when the sun shines, we'll shine together. I told you I'd be here forever. Said I'd always be your friend. Took a note that I'll stick it out till the end. Now it's raining more than ever. Know that we'll still have each other. You can stand under my umbrella, umbrella, umbrella. Brella, brella, a a a a. You can stand under my umbrella. Brella, 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 a a a a. Both you guys are always allowed under my umbrella, and we're gonna play Quinella here. That's where we're going. Quinella, it's Quinella umbrella every time. I love it. Is up there. So I, Jessica Paquette. I know I've annoyed her fifty million times with this one. 
Quinella is uh, is eight to one on the morning line. She's just a really sharp mare right now. She's done very little wrong yeah. over the last couple of years. And in her most recent race, she actually was really, really wide. And she had to make a big move. She was like three deep. She was trying to tuck in, but she just couldn't tuck in. And she had to sit wide all the way around the track. And she kept trying and she kept on coming. And she's eight to one. And now I will be singing Rihanna for uh, for the next <laughs> few. That was some. That was like early Rihanna too, right? Like that was yeah. That was like one of her first. Yeah, like yeah. Barry coming, muted, but yeah, yeah. I think you were uh, muted, sniper. Yeah, she was uh, uh, Jay Z on yeah. that. Yeah, that was a Jay Z. Yeah, but you here. sound just like Rihanna. So right, I know. I was gonna say yeah, you, you guys got talent, man. I, yeah. The, and, and you're and out. You you're me, out in Hollywood too. I mean, for a lot on, man, get on the mic. Get me for a lot cheaper than that. I know. I know. So uh, especially she's gonna be on the bench here for a while with the baby. Like I you know, know Barry, you, you can step uh, yeah, in yeah, and fill that void, man. Yeah. I can be a backup dancer. You know, the best part though oh. is the uh, took a note. I'm gonna stick it out till the end. That's the one. That's the that's the line that really hits you right there. That's the one that, <laughs> that's the one that cuts you. You know. So uh had that. to uh had to sing a little for my boys here today because uh yeah they're always allowed under my umbrella, the sniper and Matt the Quinella umbrella. Yeah, the, the Quinella, Quinella umbrella. under my umbrella to go back Quinella. Ella. I was trying to get the words <laughs> to figure them out there. Me and Eminem will go and we'll we'll workshop it a little bit and we'll come back yeah, and we'll know. figure something like out. Get in the lab. So, get in the like lab. It. Marshall and myself will uh will figure it out. <laughs> As uh we go to the closeout race, I've got one. To close things out, or I've got one in the twelfth. Uh, do yeah, you that's also... what I got too. Okay, yep. so we're both in the twelfth, and yep. this is fun because this is this the Sexton Mile. Yep. And I think you also have a tie to the horse or the name of the horse that I'm going to mention, Matt. Yep. And that's the name I'm going to mention as well. You think you know me? On this day, <laughs> I see clearly everything has come to light. We had to wait till the very end to get all the singing today. We did. At the very end, because they were back to back. The rated R superstar named yep. for Edge. Yes. So, and uh, I'll give you, and I will give you another connection. So for those of you who don't know, I used to be a professional wrestling ring announcer. My dad owned a small independent wrestling promotion in Pennsylvania. And Edge, before he was Edge, wrestled for my dad's promotion. Uh, and so Edge's name, of course, is the Rated R Superstar. And therefore, I've always been a big fan of this horse. But here's another little tidbit. Before Edge was Edge, he wrestled under the name Sexton Hardcastle. Oh, that's so great. In the Sexton <laughs> Mile, I'm going to go with Sexton Rated R. Mar- wow. What, Rated what R Superstar. a totally awesome coming together of yes, things, right? That's oh. awesome. I can only choose. Uh, you that's know, crazy. I can only choose the one. Um, but That's in all great. seriousness, uh, the horse here, uh, I just think 10 to one is great value. I mean, Absolutely. for a for thousand dollars in stable duel, this is a great three winning horse that's been two for four this year. I mean, every he's everybody's favorite old man. I mean, nine years old yep. and just keep putting up big speed figures. I mean, that 99 at the Essex was really good. Uh, obviously that was a day beating plainsman. Uh, and so. You know, I just think this, you know, the mile is kind of a, a good distance for him. That's the distance the the fifth uh, fifth seasons was uh, back at Oaklawn in January. And so running that mile should be nice. 
I'm not really too worried about the inside post position just because he tends to come from off the pace. And, and so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. Doesn't need the lead. Doesn't need to necessarily fire out of there. The other thing that to point out is a lot of the favorites in this race are stepping up and running against tougher's for the first time. Yep. Uh, that if you look at elector, Mish and Shaz. And I think it's worth mentioning that, uh, and, and which is actually a positive of why I want to make sure I play this race. I think yeah. Elector is running at Santa Anita this weekend instead. Oh, I think I, he was cross, I, yeah, you're right. You're I think he's cross entered right. and is going to run in the stakes. So, yeah, that'll actually make the price on rated R superstar go down, and we're yes. going to p- pay for a 10 to one shot, which absolutely makes it even more appealing, I think. And from like a pace standpoint, Matt. I'm not really even worried, even with Elector being removed, because yeah. I still think we have uh, Mish. We still, yeah. I think, I still think we have the uh, Shaz and Flash of Moment. Yeah, uh, you know, between all three of them, even mind that star. You know, we can get combinations yeah. of still four horses in here, all flashing speed to set it up for rated R superstar. Because that's like, look at the chart for the race that he exits on uh, in the Oakland handicap. The top three finishers in this race. They were one, two, three throughout. There was no passing the entire way around. Right. And you know they're going slow because Fearless was close. Fearless right. was like really close up in this race. Yeah. He's not normally that close. He normally wants to sort of track back a little bit. He's been able to show more positional speed as he's gotten older, but he's not like a quick horse, but he was right there pressing. Last Samurai actually was on the lead, sort of tracked back a little bit and then came on again. And when he's in races with Plainsman, where Plainsman's able to sort of lope out front, those races just don't shape up all that well for rated R superstar. It's not as if he's outclassed by Plainsman because we see he beats him in the Essex when the race just goes a little bit quicker and there's a little bit more pace to shape up. He saves all the ground. We've talked about Ray Lu, who we like quite a bit. I think it's just a really nice spot for him. I, I agree. And, and he gets Ray Lu aboard who, you know, Ray Lu, we've talked about before. I just, I trust him as a jockey. He's always going to give, I think his horse a really honest chance and the best chance to win. So, uh, yeah, I just I, I like the way this race sets up and he's battle tested. And like I said, the others are, you know, they're, they're not quite there yet. This is a step up. There's a little bit more projection. And I'd rather go with a horse that I know is going to run a 95 ish <laughs> buyer speed figure every time out. So uh, for a thousand dollars, this is about as well tested of a horse as you're going to get for a thousand dollars. Yep. He's cool. He's fun to root for. And, you know, it gave me and Matt an opportunity to talk a little bit wrestling on the show, yes. too, with the with Edge as uh, great to see all, all joking aside. One thing in any sport um, or game or whatever, anything that you watch, when people have to get hurt and have to end their career, it's a bummer. And Edge was someone who had major neck issues yeah. and it looked like he was going to be done. And then after like 10 years because of all the, the advancements in modern medicine, he was able to come back and he's able to wrestle now, which is really cool. He got like a big chunk of his, like his livelihood taken away, which would be hard for any of us, you know, like yeah. the thing that you love yeah. just being stripped from you right in the middle. So it's so cool. I love edge. He's always one of my, my favorites too, is like someone that you saw go from being like a tag team guy and an up and comer. And then he was the mid card guy. And then he yeah. became like, you saw him grow all the way through and I better get out of here or else this becomes like a, another two hour <laughs> podcast on, on just wrestling alone. But uh, a big shout out to our friend thrilling picks out there who hangs out with us. Oh and yeah. He, it, they were man. saying there weren't too many tangents early. And I said, don't worry. There's a couple that are going to be coming. 
just a little bit. Oh, he, he got his money's worth this time. Yes. He got some singing. He, says, he got some wrestling. Says, what more can you ask went for? Off the rails with some Rihanna, <laughs> and I don't know what was going on. He was singing it to Jessica Paquette. So uh, we hope, hopefully, hopefully we it. scratch that uh, that weird itch for you. Unlike any it. other horse racing shows out there, we'll have some fun. We'll uh, we'll get on some tangents. We'll get off the rails a little bit, and we'll always try to make you money. That's the most important thing. Uh, we'll always try to play in the no chalk zone here where we want to lead you to some nice winners and we want to uh, make sure that you're all set up for the big stable duel contest each and every weekend. Fellas, always uh, gets me smiling after I leave talking with you boys on Friday morning. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and we get uh, some extra really good racing this week with that Monday holiday racing and a lot of tracks having that uh, that extra Memorial Day weekend yep. racing. So Barry, my friend, good luck to you. Matty, buddy, good luck. Hope everyone has a, a nice, safe weekend. And you're going to hear me singing Rihanna just a few moments ago. Now you're going to hear the soothing sounds of Joey Cleveland. Take it away, my friend. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge by. Lots of fun. Uh, make sure to hang out with us Friday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern time. We have that stable dual live stream each and every weekend, uh, every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern time with Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears. Let's get into some racing for Sunday and for Monday. Before we do, I have to remind you about full service realtor Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. She can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. You can find out all of her listings there. Um, you can find out reviews on Yelp and Zillow. If you need help with anything, um, just home improvement, she can connect you with the right type of vendors if you need. Maybe you need help with the loan process, she'll connect you with the lenders there. Anywhere that you're located, contact Cindy. Even if she can't directly help you out with projects, she'll connect you with someone that she knows in the area that she trusts, and that'll make your life a lot easier. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's talk some Saturday, or excuse me, some Sunday. We're going to get to Sunday, Louisiana Downs. We're looking at May the 29th, and we're going to start in race number one. We have Louisiana bred non-winners of four, allowance $26,000 allowance here, six furlongs on the dirt. I thought the one, Condessa's Handmaid, might be the quickest in here. She's proven at Louisiana Downs. She ran into a horse last time out named Strong Beauty over at Evangeline, and that horse won next time out, won in a Louisiana bred allowance, and that's a stakes winner that's earned over 220000 She's also faced Scylla. That's a grade two winner who's earned over 480000 like the one Condessa's handmade a little bit. The five, Canada's Customs, another one who's got a win at Louisiana Downs is proven there. She flashed a little more speed than normal last time out. She's versatile. She's drawn really well. She's going to be tough in here, as is the three, Speedy Dudette. I would lean Canada's Customs because she at least has a little bit more recency where Speedy Dudette has, hasn't raced in a couple months, but she has won three in a row, including a 16-length win here back in uh, in May of 2021. 1-5-3 in the opener. Race two, we've got uh, about $15,000 claimers or so going seven and a half furlongs on the turf course here. I thought the two, but wait, there's more. 
Slow start from the rail last time out, was sixth in a field of eight, about five lengths off, and did move into contention. It wasn't beaten a whole heck of a lot, only a length and a quarter when it was all said and done, and was actually making up ground. Gets a little bit more distance, because that was at five furlongs, and I think there's a little upside with this horse. The three, Misabi, was only a $20,000 purchase, so the fact that he's in this spot doesn't feel like it's this massive drop or anything. The blinkers are on. And he will be flashing some speed, so he's going to be pretty tough. The one Magic Lightning would be the other one for Joe Foster. They tried a little tougher off the claim. They faced Maiden Specials. Now they'll drop in and face Maiden Claimers here and take a shot on the turf for the first time. 2-3-1 in race number two. In the third, Louisiana bred 5,000 Claimers, non-winners of three lifetime races. They'll go a mile and 70 in here. Five of the six uh, of this field... Ran on May the 8th in the same race. And the number 5 counterfeit was 4th in that race. But I really liked his effort. He was sitting 2nd early on. He was about 2 lengths off. And he was chasing. And then at the top of the lane he made a big bid at Musada. Who was your winner and the horse who set the pace all the way. He was... He took a chance. I think he was 2nd best in that race. He should be close to or on the lead in this one. The number 5 counterfeit. Star appearance will add the blinkers. His win on January the 6th really fits with this group. And then following that, you might be able to make some excuses. Hooked a sloppy track. And then uh, the following race, he had a bad start. He got squeezed, kind of pinched at the beginning. And last time out, it was his first start in a few months. And he just could not make up any ground. Nobody could. Nobody was getting to Musada that day in those fractions. The one decide, is the horse still all have to hold off? He'll come running late. He did just that last time out. He had a slow start. He was last. He was about eight lengths off when he was ninth. And he chased a lone speed winner. He closed well uh, well up the rail to finish third behind Dapper Dan Man, who was second, who broke in, who bumped a little bit. And he settled on the inside. He angled around. He really tried hard. 5-4-1-2 if you're looking at an exotics there in the third. That's how I, I stacked him. Race number four. Maiden 12-5 claimers going a mile on the turf course. The two, born into bad news, will try the turf for the first time. And her dam produced six other foals to race. And five of them uh, were turf winners. Three of them were multiple winners. And the only one that didn't win on the turf only raced on it one time. One of those horses was named Inside Out, who is a three-time turf winner and stakes placed. I'm expecting major improvement from Born Into Bad News, getting some class relief and trying the turf for the first time. Gets the inside draw, should save all the ground. The number seven in the second spot, that's Miss Tonalist. She's going to be tough off of her last effort. She finished fourth, but it may be a little bit better than it looks on paper. She was last early. She moved three wide outside up to fourth, and she kind of got bumped at the top of the lane, and she had to shift out. She got pushed out by a rival. They actually took a look at it to see if they were going to to have a disqualification, but they did not make any any type of change. Others in here to include the four, obviously, CC's Freedom wouldn't be a surprise. No knocks on this one as far as at this level, right? She's 0 for 19, so she's not a win machine. She's a 7-year-old mare who's never won. But third off the long layoff and back to the turf, she would be no surprise if she was very competitive with this group. There's a six CC's Cowgirl with the blinkers on. Her first two turf tries are really not bad at all. Then her last turf try was in a maiden 30 at Fairgrounds where the top three finishers all won next out. I wouldn't 
really talk you off of using her. Two, seven, four, six is, is the order I placed them. As we move to race number five, made in special weight, six furlongs on the dirt course. The number five, Hilaire, comes off of a race on May the 14th at Louisiana where he had a slow start. He broke out. He bumped. Then he got bumped again. He got crossed over on. He was ninth and about eight lengths off of it. He moved inside really well and, and split horses late. He outfinished Pitch and Run, who got a, got the jump on him. Hilaire just missed and had a big gallop out. Now you're going to go second time off the claim for Joe Foster. I think Hilaire is the horse to beat. The six meant for me with the blinkers off. Does feel like the one to catch in here. There's not a lot of other proven speed. And the four, Golden Pegasus, would be the horse I, I used underneath them. Back to dirt where he had a really nice dirt debut at Fairgrounds against Maiden 30 Claimers. The blinks come on, and he did chase Lone Speed on the turf last time out, so you can probably put a line right through that one. And that was in a, a tough made special weight race. Five, six, four. In race number six, we've got Louisiana bred $7,500 Claimers, seven and a half furlongs on the turf course there. I thought the one was one to include War Tribute for Shane Wilson. Obviously, he's coming back into the Wilson barn. The seven would also be in the mix, too. The very logical Inca Warrior, who's the chalk and, you know, the obvious top contender. The three is the horse I'll use on top and with them. So I have three, seven, one. Perfecture will try the turf again. She's only tried it once, and her damn one the only turf start, and she's half to a horse named Perfect Bull who won a couple times on the turf. And in Perfecture's turf race, it was not bad at all. Finished fourth that day. Deserves another shot on turf because his race followed his race on grass was followed by a four-month layoff. He's now going to go in his third start of the form cycle. Perfecture for top-notch connections, Joe Foster and Carlos Lozada. 3-7-1 in the sixth at Louisiana. Moving to race number seven, the maiden $5,000 Louisiana bred claimer that will close things out. The five and the six will probably be pretty tough in there. I'll, I'll include the three along with them. Don't forget her dreams, who was a runner-up. Nothing really crazy for me. They're all super logical. Roadside girl, Moody Raffaella. I put I put them three, six, five in that order. That's Sunday over at Louisiana Downs. And let's go from Sunday, Louisiana to Sunday, Santa Anita. A couple plays there for Sunday, Santa Anita. So for Sunday, Santa Anita, May the 29th, let's look at races three, four, and seven. In the third race, it's the grade three Daytona. They're going to go six and a half down the hill. And I'm going to the outside with Candrell, who's going to go second start off the bench. Now... He had a fine start in his most recent race on April the 10th. He was about two lengths off. He was on the two-path in between, and then he kind of got backed up. He got pushed all the way back to last in a small field, chasing slow fractions in a sprint race. The top two were 1-2 throughout. Nobody was passing in there. I think this is a better spot for Candrell to get a little bit of pace to run at, and the, the downhill layout just feels like it, it'll play a little bit better for him just to give him a chance. Outside draw shouldn't hurt him nearly as as much burning turf with the inside draw maybe forced a little bit I think you're going to get some speed from Braun and from Nero so maybe Candarell can park out nicely uh, right behind them in, uh, in maybe fourth or so that's the number six Candrell four to one on the morning line anything over three will make a win wager there in the fourth race it's the grade two triple bend and I think Brickyard Ride is really fast to his outside he's going to have two horses that are pretty quick probably pushing him and 
At seven furlongs, I think he's worth taking a shot against. Now, who do you want to try to beat him with? I'm not going to try to beat him with either of the horses who I think are going to be pushing him on the lead. So it's not going to be Principe Carlo, and it's not going to be Elector. So now it comes down to the three inside horses for me. We'll get her number, adds the blinkers. She's going to re- uh, He's going to return to the dirt. He just hasn't gotten back to the form early on when he was two. Exalted hasn't run in a year. And then it kind of leaves us with American Theorem. His last few races have been going longer. And he's shown a little bit of early kind of tracking speed. But he's gone a mile and an eighth on synthetic, a mile and a quarter, and a mile and an eighth. Now he's going to cut back to seven furlongs. He can pass horses. He's shown us he can sit off and pass before. He's got some ability. I think he ends up being the right horse to look towards. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. If he was anything over 5, I'm going to make a win wager on the number 3 American Theorem in race number 4 in the triple bend on uh, on Sunday, Santa Anita, May the 29th. And let's move to race number 7. I'm going to look at the number 2 in here. This is the grade 3 honeymoon. They'll go a mile and an eighth on the turf course. These are 3-year-old fillies. Ballet dancing's two starts have been very impressive. In her debut... She was three deep going into the turn. She was in the second flight. She was chasing slow fractions, and then she ended up four deep within a length. She took back, and then she tried to move to the inside. She ended up finishing pretty well in third. Um, Last time out, it was her first start since October. She was towards the back of the pack. She was eighth, and then she moved to the two-path, and she waited nicely about about five lengths off or so. She got a seam and she shot outside with a huge move and pretty impressive. Ballet dancing. Going to be an all exotics for me. The number two ballet dancing. She's five to one on the morning line. We'll make a win wager if we can get anything over three. So that's Sunday, Santa Anita for May the 29th. I have a couple uh, plays and a couple tracks to take a look at for Monday. Let's head on over and talk about Louisiana Downs. We'll do a quick look uh, at the full card for Louisiana for Monday. We're looking at May the 30th, and we're looking at race number one. Remember, every day at Louisiana, I will be on the broadcast before each of the races and then after each of the races, helping out, uh, giving a pre-race analysis, and then some post-race thoughts on what happened and every day there's a pick five in the third race a pick four in the fourth race they're always 15 percent low takeout race one is a mile on the turf for louisiana bred phillies and mares non-winners of two allowance company about the five darling joanna trying uh, the grass again she's been on it twice one of them was a win and the other time she was on the turf was back in july of last year here at louisiana there and she was in a race where there were two next out winners and the winner had actually won three in a row and the third place finisher won next out. So she was in a really tough race that day. On April the 23rd, she returned. She went six furlongs in a sprint. It feels like it was probably a good prep race to set her up for this. It was her first start in eight and a half months. I'm thinking she takes a big step forward, stretching out, going back to the turf here. The number five, Darling Joanna. We'll use with the three, Miss Kennedy, who will try turf for the first time. Three of her siblings tried the grass. All of them are multiple winners on it. And she'll go second start off at six and a half month break. She ran into a really nice horse named Just Passing Through, who has already won twice at the meet at Louisiana Downs, came back to win her next start. The six, my friend Jim, my friend Mr. Jim, 
The dam was a three-time winner on the turf and also has a winning turf sib, so she is one who has some uh, right to improve stepping foot on the grass. In the second race, we move to $5,000 claimers, fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up, which have never won four or which have not won a race in 2022. Six furlongs on the dirt. The four, Alberta Moon, just won in a similar spot. And that, that race wins this. She doesn't need the lead. She can sit just off. Tracy is spotting his horses brilliantly early on in the meet. The five, Country Dreaming, feels like the price horse to include in here. That Belterra Indy Mount uh, Mahoning Valley form, it, it's not bad. It would probably be really com- really comparable. This mare fits the conditions well. She's a seven-time winner. She's only raced once this year in what the conditions of a non-winner of the year. And that last race was an obvious prep that she needed. So she's an eight-year-old. She's going to go second off the 20-month break. Does she have anything left? If she does, I think she shows it here at, at a pretty good price. The number two... Texas Mama. This is Broberg first start off the claim, and of all the spots to go, he picks this spot with a filly that's proven at Louisiana. I can't really leave her out of exotics. Race number three, we will go to Louisiana Bread first level allowance runners. They'll go a mile on the turf course here. The number two, Half Glamorous. Broke on top, but the two to her outside wanted the lead, and they kind of put her in a tight spot. She was in tough quarters, early, then she was third, behind the leader. She wants to be right on the lead. I think they're going to get more aggressive with her. I think she's going to get the lead in here. The six, Mila's Gold, is hoping for some pace to run at. She came rolling after settling towards the back and and then she had to back out of a tight spot. She had to make an early four-wide move up to contend. And she was four deep at the top of the lane. It was a really good second. The one C sassy run got a perfect trip when she won her last start. And she's capable, but I'm going to kind of make her prove it to me again because she got such a nice trip in comparison to a couple others who maybe could turn the tables on her. She moved to the lead. She held off Mila's gold, but she was in a, always in a great spot. 2-6-1 in the third. Pick four starts in race number four. I would probably be using combinations of the two, four, and six in here. The two Bistrea is really quick. He's going to go second off the short break, back to the dirt. His recent races have been versus Open Company or Louisiana Bread Stakes, so a lot tougher than what he's going to be facing in here. And he is quick. If he gets the lead, he's tough to catch. He's proven at Louisiana Downs. Bistrea, all exotics for me, along with the six, Guitar Slim. He was beaten only a half length after a good start, and then he was right on the lead, pressing, then he backed off. And he got caught in between horses. He had to shuffle back to fourth. You can see his running line sort of a little bit weird. He ends up losing a couple of lengths. Then he's right back up on the heels of the leader. Again, he has to back up. He ends up losing four to five lengths throughout the the, tr- the trip that he had. He angles to his outside. He comes on again. And he was only beaten about a half length when it was all said and done. Tough to leave him out off of that trouble with so much upside. And the four fast verdict. We'll go second start back, returning to the dirt, and should get a little bit of pace to chase in here with the likes of Bistrea because he's going to make things quick. If if somebody else goes, he's probably not going to win. But Bistrea could be the type of horse who just runs them off their feet. Maybe the one out of his galaxy presses it a little bit. Maybe Dixie Street presses it, stretching out, coming out from Oaklawn. He just got to prove it at a mile. He's never been beyond six and a half. 
and I don't know if he's going to get caught up with those inside horses. So I'm I'm not sure if he gets the great trip in here. Two six four in race four. As we move to the fifth race, five furlongs on the turf course. The two McLean had a good start on May the eighth. He was second. He was up to try and press in between horses, and he got to within a length. He faded. He ended up chasing the horse who was the load speed winner. But he can sit off and pass horses, and I think that will really work out well in this race because Rockdale wants to be close. Tale of a Storm is really quick. D2 is really quick, and Creative Letters is really quick. D2 can sit, so he'll definitely be on the tickets too because he's drawn to the outside and he can sit off a little bit. Nate's Way is also quick to the outside. The... The two McLean will be the top selection because I just feel like he takes back and he gets a nice setup. Grab the money could get a, a good late rally in here if he just drops back and comes running late. Two, six, one, and then the five tail of the storm would not be a shock. You just can't quite use them all or love them all, but I, I don't really have many knocks on him. I just don't like him quite as much as some of the others in here. I'm a little bit worried that he gets... He gets softened up having to show speed in between horses 2615 in the 5th race number 6 begins the late double on Monday $5,000 claimers there 3 year olds and up which have never won 4 races or have never won since February the 28th 5462 I thought Cat's second silver who tried tougher last time out off the claim and I like the fact that Joel Dominguez stays aboard for this barn you can eliminate that last start against better. The five cats second silver, along with the four Glenn's jumper, who's never run a bad race. They're going to be in all my exotics. This guy likes Louisiana. He has really no knocks on him. He looks like the race was written for him based on the conditions because he was a winner last time on February the 20th. And you can qualify this by um, having not won a race since February the 28th. The two Boston repo also fits the conditions of this one well. Likes it at Louisiana. The 6, G, Don't Know, is a four-time winner that won on February the twenty-first, uh, 24th and then tried tougher and did completely miss the break on uh, May the 21st and wheels back here quickly. 5-4-6-2 in race number 6. We close out Monday, a Memorial Day Monday where there are going to be exotic animal races at Louisiana Downs. So you'll make sure to tune in to the broadcast on Monday for all the fun happening over at LAD. So race number seven to close it out. First level allowance mile on the turf course. I thought this was a really fun betting race and very contentious. The three silent tap has a little more speed than he used last time out. He made a big, bold move. I thought he was going to win. I'm shocked he was six to one because he was coming out of some good races He's going to be in the mix, but he'll probably be over bet this time. The seven, sniveling, he got crossed on, over on at the start. He was last, about 10 lengths off, chasing a four to five shot, that one going gate to wire. He moved nicely up the rail late for second. Sniveling will be the top play for me. There's something that's really intriguing to me about the nine escrow style for Greg Tracy. Well, this barn has been awesome. And then the races that he exits. Spurl, who won that turf race on in April, basically won that race gate to wire. He was towards the rear, chasing a winner that was forwardly placed. Before that, he had faced some really tough horses in, in the maiden ranks. He, you know, he beat a horse named Majestic Mandate, who came back to win next time out. 
February 26th, he actually beat three next out winners. January, the race before that, lightning struck, came back to win next out. The third place finisher, Life is a Banquet, won his next start by 23 lengths. Earlier in his career, he was behind Un Oho. That's the Rebel winner. I'm going to use escrow style in the, the pick four. The three, Silent Tap, I mentioned. Seven, nine, and three will be in all exotics. The five will be in some spots as well. That's Big Success, whose damn won twice on the turf and has multiple stakes placed and has produced two winning turf foals. So Big Success could improve on the turf. Front page was an okay third. After a you know a fine start, he was about fit, six lengths off. He moved in between horses, and he ends up winning a battle for third. The eleven to the outside. There's not that much gunnet type speed in here. I actually wouldn't be shocked. That's one of the reasons why Escrow is going to be in the mix for me. Also, I think they're going to try to get a little more forwardly placed with him. The eleven deal me in bud with that outside draw could get forced a little bit. So. I wouldn't talk you off many in here. I'm going to use 7, 9, and 3 in all exotics. And then in some underneath spots, 5, 1, 11. That's Monday, Memorial Day. Make sure to check out all the festivities happening at Louisiana Downs. If you're in the area, head on out to the track and uh, take part in the fun out at LAD. Let's finish up this episode talking some Memorial Day Monday. Lone Star. We'll look at the uh, stakes portion of the card and we'll look at a couple races starting in the 7th. Now, I know a lot of these horses from uh, from Sammy Houston. A lot of, a lot of my familiar friends when I was watch, uh, paying attention to those races at Sam Houston every day. So, in the 7th race, it's the Chamberlain Bridge. Five furlongs on the turf course. Archidust will be tough. Excess Magic will be tough. Tis Magic's really fast. But Bob's bad boy, he doesn't win a whole lot. But he's not far behind Archidust and Excess Magic in some of these races. And if he's a way, way bigger price, you might want to throw him into some of your exotics at least underneath. Because one of these times he's going to get the trip over those horses and he'll be a way bigger price when he does. He's just not consistent in, a win, in, in the win end. He's consistent in that he comes running all the time. The number five, Bob's Bad Boy, who's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. Race number eight. It's the Memorial Day Sprint. I'm looking at the four, Skinny Dip, who had a good start, was right up with the top three, took back slightly on the inside, then got shuffled back. Just did not seem comfortable, had nowhere to go. It was like a brutal trip all the way around. The number four, Skinny Dip, is 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2 to two will make a win wager. Race number 10, it's the Ouija board, Distaff, a mile on the turf. Had some fun... Singing uh, this morning a little uh, Rihanna. <laughs> when the sun's got, when the sun shines, we'll shine together. Told you I'd be there forever. Said I'd always be your friend. Took a note that I'd stick it out till the end. Now that it's raining more than ever, know that we'll still be together. You could stand under my umbrella. You could stand under my umbrella. Bella, Bella, A, 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 A. We like Quinella. Had some fun with Jessica Paquette. When, uh, when we would talk about Quinella and uh, was laughing with Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis in the Stable Duel stream this morning. Quinella has been really, really honest, this five-year-old mare. Look at her recent form. It's just tough to make cases against what, what she's been doing. She 
doesn't even mind sitting a little wide. She was hooked three deep. She tried to tuck in, and she just couldn't really get inside. And she was three wide about all the way around. She was way out in the middle of the track, really closing and trying hard on May the 19th. Quinn Ella is 8-1. to one. She should be more like a 4-5-1 to five to one shot in this spot. The 11th race is the Texas Derby. 300,000 up for grabs, a mile and a 16th the distance. I thought the one strike hard coming back into form now off of the recent win on May the 6th. This is a horse who had legitimate trouble in the Sam F. Davis. He was a good second in the Mucho Macho Man behind Simplification. And then in the Florida Derby, he just ran into horses that might have been a little bit too tough for him. And he was wide and he kind of he missed some time in between there. I think it's a very nice spot for him to save all the ground, strike hard. The number one. 4-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 5-2, to two, we'd make a win wager. In race number 12, the Sexton Mile. It is a mile. There's going to be a scratch of the of uh, Elector, who is going to be likely running in the triple bend at Santa Anita this weekend. I thought the one rated R superstar was in a good spot here. He just didn't get the, the type of flow he needed on April the 23rd. He was dead last in a race where they just really weren't going that fast. Fearless was sitting pretty close. He's not really fast. The winner last Samurai got the lead and then just saved ground all the way around and, and kind of dropped back to third and came on again. The top three finishers were 1-2-3 at first call. So in this race, you've got Mind That Star, you've got Mish, you've got Shaz, you've got Flash of Moments, all who I think want to be forwardly placed. So they should give Rated R Superstar plenty of pace to run at here if he's good enough. Save all the ground and come a-rolling. The Rated R Superstar... Edge on this day, I see clearly everything is come to life. Wrestling fans know what I'm talking about. Edge, the rated R superstar. Hope everyone has a good uh, Memorial Day weekend. We got some extra Sunday and Monday racing in there for you. And hopefully we lead you in the right direction. Good luck all weekend long. We'll be back next week with a lot more. We'll have uh, Moon Knight finished up for you. We'll start talking Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi dropped the first two episodes, so we'll uh, we'll dive on into that. You know, it just never stops here on That's What G Said. Yeah.